Hi, this is Dave Dorman, Star Wars artist extraordinaire, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Have fun! <laughs> in a row yep I swear to god you've been practicing he gets in front of the mirror like Ferris Bueller <clears throat> he does it just and not always in front of a mirror too just you know if, if there's good in the uh, car in the shower right yeah. right the garage get the echo going yeah. I say woohoo in the shower when I back up into the shampoo bottle <laughs> yeah. and then I back up a little more there you go that ass up it's like the first woohoo jason's heard in like a month right We've i'll been... tell you what it is amazing because you guys did a bonus app during my vacation so there's been two full episodes without me it 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 mentally feels like i haven't been on the show in a month yep i believe that and then the one before that we had fleece on mm-hmm. so that was an amazing time but even that as I think you guys will agree, when we have a guest on, it still doesn't mentally feel quite like it doesn't feel the same because we're not spending a couple hours just riffing on comics. Right. Although with Tony, we very much were doing that on like a more traditional interview, but still we haven't had, I haven't been a part of a quote unquote traditional episode in quite some time. So yeah, I think Tony I, uh, was the per, per cap, I don't want to say per capita, but the, the, the amount of content that he spewed forth about himself was far, far, far lower than anybody else that comes on the show because they have an agenda. Tony just wanted to come on, just come on. Oh, and by the way, I got this yeah. book coming out. So, Definitely. And, yeah. and I think in no small part because of that, um, I'm sure you were in the same camp. I think, and this is no disrespect to any of the other amazing guests we, we have on and will have on, I was bombarded with people saying if you guys ever want a fourth back yeah you should be the guy yeah, yeah. same yep. same so yep don't get your hopes up though please <laughs> i don't know about that i'm comfortable around tony i like him a lot i mean <laughs> if we ever pulled in a fourth it, mm, there'd be a very small pool from which to pick but tony would be one of the biggest fish in there it's true. Did you guys ever have a point after Chris left where we thought you would, where you thought conceptually we would have a regular revolving fourth? I did for a while until the click. Like, yes, there was something absent when Chris left. There was a dynamic, for good or for ill, th- that was that evaporated with him, and then once we got our thing i thought we don't need a fourth we got this yeah no i mean i would agree with that i i i was thinking with uh i compared it to howard stern when when if there was a period of time when um they got rid of jackie the joke man martling in the studio they were looking for a new person in the studio and they would have revolving uh people sit in yeah. and then eventually already got the job because he was inarguably the, the best of that bunch. And he just clicked with them and he became a regular. And then they, then when he left because of his drug issues, they, Howard said, now we're just not going to replace him. It's not. Yeah. It's, you know, so. For my money, Howard loses Fred. 
there's trouble. The, for me, the show would change dramatically without Fred. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Howard has said, in fact, just recently uh, that he would stop doing the show without question if Fred or uh, Robin couldn't or wouldn't do it anymore. So that makes sense. Those, those are the only two. And that, and that makes sense. Yep. You know what else makes sense? What this? All these beautiful people that have tuned in for this 11 o'clock comics episode 641. Mm. Yeah. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And I'm David A. Price. Yes, you are. But far more importantly, I'm Brock McLaughlin. And ain't no laws when Baby Yoda drinking claws. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, you had to bring it up, dick. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. I, I, I slacked these guys saying, I said, please, for the love of God, do not bring up that Baby Yoda with the white claw. <laughs> <laughs> that tattoo, because I think it's it's so silly and it's so outlandish, but it's awesome that someone would get that tattoo. But it's also a little bit crazy, right? And I can't believe his name is Brock McLaughlin. What's wrong with that? It sounds like a porn name. Like it doesn't like like Rock, Brock. It doesn't. It sounds like a an eighties action star. Yeah, and he's a real person named Brock McLaughlin. Uh, Duff McKagan. You know, I don't know. I think same it, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no, you're not Brock McLaughlin. You <laughs> <laughs> silly ass. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Together, once again, Jason's back after his six-episode um, uh, AWOL. And, My walkabout? Yes, walkabout. He found himself. He was under, under a little rock. He was tweeting underneath the rock, but he found himself. And uh, he's back for this, the Book of the Month episode. That's right. You've, you're lucky because you've tuned in on one of the uh, the more in-depth episodes. I shouldn't say that. That's not right. You've tuned in on a special episode, people. It's the book of the month, and it is Paul Pope's Heavy Liquid. Mm-hmm. Originally published by the Vertigo back in the Dizay. Now we have it for you in contemporary times. Everything old is new again, such as the specials on Discount mm-hmm. Comic Book Service. Yep. Hey, ho, what do you know? The specials are up, and I have selected three of them. Let's see if you could predict which ones I picked. This first one is going to be a given, I think. From IDW, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, (laughs) Jenica number one. Yes, Jenica number one. Written and drawn by Brom Revel. And here's the pitch. Of Gorilla's fame. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Trying to acclimate to life as a mutant, the newest turtle, Jenica, embarks on a solo adventure that will force her to come to terms with both her troubled past and conflicted present. Not to mention a brand new villain. Dun, dun, dun. Brom Revel, Gorillas, Jason read that, turns to reveal more of Jenica's backstory from his acclaimed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe tale, What is Ninja? Now, cover price on this is four ninety nine, and it is a three issue miniseries. But the first issue will cost you not four ninety nine, but two dollars and forty nine cents. That's half price. I'm not criticizing at all here. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to enjoy this. 
love the franchise, love what IDW has been doing. But if they wanted to keep with Turtle history, keep in tandem with Turtle history, they would have made this a one-issue micro-series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They missed the conceptual continuity. They dropped that ball. So it is a three-issue miniseries, such as the age in which we live, um, $2.49. Next up, Dap, you care to predict? Uh, who's the publisher? Oh, if I tell you, you'll know. Uh, I'll have my previews downstairs, so I can't even we talked about through it, it on a previous episode, a recent episode. Oh, shit. From Archie. It's Archie meets the B-52s, number one. It's right on the spine, yes. There really, you yes. go. Written by he Alex. He just went, oi. <laughs> Who did? Jason said, Jason oi? Did. Oh, boy, that's a contract breaker right there. <laughs> You're not down with Fred and the gang. I don't know what to tell you. Um, whew, my head's spinning. No, um, I just don't understand it being a comic is all. I don't. Why not? I don't know. Maybe exactly. Maybe Why not? Uh, written by Alex Segura and Matt Rosenberg. Illustrated by who? Dan Parent. No big surprise there. It's a rock and roll adventure for the ages as Archie and his friends cross paths with a real rock lobster, the B-52s. Co-written by Alex Segura and Matthew Rosenberg, who wrote Archie Meets Ramones. Uh, with art from the legendary, that's true, Dan Parent. The epic crossover one-shot brings the B-52 gang to Riverdale in all their new wave glory. Were they really new wave, though? But can Archie get his band back together in time to jam with these legends? <laughs> or will infighting and musical drama leave them in the dust? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> uh, cover price, three ninety nine. Your price, $1.99. Last but certainly not least, from Dark Horse. It's Hidden Society, number one, written by Raphael Scavone, with art by Raphael Albuquerque. Woo! It's a new series from Raphael Albuquerque and Raphael Scavone, the team behind Neil Gaiman's A Study in Emerald. Loved it. Yeah. Hidden from ordinary eyes, there is a world alongside our own full of deities, demons, and danger, where magic wins out over science and dark secrets lie in wait. Ulu, the last wizard from the Hidden Society, enlists the aid of a blind girl and her demon, a young magician and a cursed bounty hunter, in order to stop a group of nihilist warlocks, the worst kind, from waking the society's greatest nemesis, a primeval force that, unchecked, will scorch the planet bare of all life. Woof! It's uh, a four-issue miniseries. First issue, three ninety-nine. What are they going to pay? $1.99. On the target. $1.99. Boom. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books right where you want them, and that's on your front door or your, your front doorstep. Mine were waiting for me by the front door when I got home today? I didn't get mine yet. DCBService.com. Very good. I'm one of those fifth-week guys, I think. I, I seem to get the my books a week after everybody else gets them. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's okay. I can wait because you get you get previews of yours, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't anymore. So it's just it's. I guess 
I, I guess that last Wednesday they just box everything up and I, I usually have it. I'll, I'll get it the following. Usually get it after the first Wednesday of, of the month. Yeah. And by the time they pack it and box it and it, it comes to me because it's FedEx now and it's and, and I will I will um open it this weekend when I do my uh, previous video for the patrons because all the pages are ripped out, everything is ready to go. I will um record that this weekend. Excellent. I still have not uh, got my hands on a, a copy of previews. I, you didn't I, download the app? I'm not downloading the app. I don't want oh, the app. Well, you I don't can't want delete the it afterwards. I don't want the app. Do you have to look at it on your phone or can I put it on my MacBook? I believe you can. If you go to the digital, I think if you go to like, if you go to previews world slash digital, I, I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean, I've looked at it on my iPad just because I it was convenient, but. Yeah, I don't have one, and and I'm not looking at it on my phone. So, oh, no, you silly. More importantly, though, what is you drinking? To whom are you directing that question? You, sir. All right. Well, I'm finishing up this swill from uh, Santa Julia. It's Innovacion. It's a uh, I think it's a Cabernet. No, it's a red blend. And it's not very good. So I'm finishing and it And yet off. you're still drinking it. Well, I'm not going to throw it away. It's a sin to waste food and or drink. I will not. It's interesting, too, because uh, we often buy the Santa Julia Reserve, which I like quite a bit. Yeah, it's, it's, too, it's too thin. It it's a good reminder that uh, different wines from the same vineyard can be quite different in experience right, mm. right. i will not waste food under that any under any circumstances i will not throw food away if i if i go to a restaurant and i order something new and I, it's you know i'm i take a bite and I, it's not really i'm not really feeling it i i will finish it Yes, you are very utilitarian that way. It, it's weird. No. Well, I, I think of everything that went into making that food. Say there's a mushroom in it. This little mushroom grew, and he had a purpose. And that purpose was to find its way into <laughs> my food. If I don't eat the food, I'm taking away that mushroom's reason for being. Get in my belly. Right. And it's, it's, it's weird that you think that way, yet there are food experiences that you won't bother with like because what? it's just well the Elenia or just I mean little the the, the I won't eat veal the over the top stuff oh no I won't go into the the big dollar food experiences Supple dumps. no right. that's by choice but if I did go I would make sure I finished everything on my plate well yeah, you should yeah. yes yeah Totally. Won't eat veal, won't eat lamb. I wait till they grow up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, not the lamb. It's too greasy. Mm. But, so, uh, see, that's, that's. I mean, it, it it can be, but I mean, I don't know how often you've had it so poorly prepared because it, it it's one of my wife's favorite dishes and, and it's not. If it was, she, and she's also a big fish and chips fan and. and I eat the hell out of fish and chips. Right. And, 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 you know. Plug Quiet Man does a fantastic job with theirs, but we went to Pisco Brewery and she had to send it back because it was like just dripping oil. It was it was ridiculous. So if again, if if she ever had lamb 
which is one of her favorite dishes prepared poorly, then that's, that's not happening. But I, I mean, and I, I'm, I've had lamb. I don't, I don't go out of my way. I, if it's on the menu, I'm not going to be, Oh snap. I know what I'm getting. It's, I enjoy it, but it's not something I seek out. So, and yeah, I'm the veal. I had, I can't remember the last time I had veal and, you know, it probably had it with a bunch of, with a family and, and it was a whole event, but, um, which is why it was on the menu. But then, then of course, you know, you find out what they do and, and that's, I'm pretty sure that's when a lot of people decide that that's when they're writing it off and never having it again. And yeah, and besides, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I just don't like the taste either. Same. I don't like the taste of veal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of lamb myself. There you go. There you go. So what are you what drinking? Are you wow. Well, in honor of being Mr. McLaughlin, who for those wondering, I guess Jeez. we're taking we're taking we're taking for granted that everyone listening knows what we're talking about, but uh, a gentleman <laughs> decided to get a tattoo <laughs> of baby Yoda drinking a white claw. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's, uh, it's it's a realistic rendition of of the baby, of the child, it's 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 a cartoony version, and and it's which is even more fitting to 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 the ridiculousness of it. And yeah, it's it's yes. a funky. <laughs> so in honor of that, the claw is the law tonight, and I'm drinking a ruby red grapefruit white claw. Oh boy! Followed up afterwards by some iced tea. True story. Thanksgiving, my brother-in-law. Hey Vince, you want the beer? It's out the back in the coolers. I'm like, okay. Pop open the cooler, one entire cooler of White Claw. I walk in and I'm like, what in the hell is wrong with you people? Why did you get that? And then, you know, the other cooler was full of great IPAs. Yet, there was an entire cooler of White Claw. And he said to me, I drink that before I get serious. And drink the IPAs. Law's the law. Okay. <sighs> Jesus. Can you bring me a raspberry? <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> That's the... Uh, I only had... In our refrigerator, our our drink refrigerator, there was only uh, raspberry white claws and then the one grapefruit, which is why I'm only drinking the one because uh, I can't stand raspberry. So, mm. wow, it's like one of my favorite mm. things in the world. There you go. We'll never fight over it. Cool. That's a good way to look at it. I bequeath you all of my raspberry things. Oh, your wife got the raspberry underwear on. Rough. <laughs> he shuts that down like that, David. Uh, <laughs> I I've been on a um I've been on a bit of a rye kick lately. I don't know why because I'm not. It, it's I've had rye. I usually have it in in an old fashioned or Manhattan. It's not something that I would sip on like I do with with bourbons, but um. In honor of of Haas, and I had the um, the the whiskey triple thread, and and so I bought a bottle of rye, and then um, while I was waiting for dinner, I had a really nice glass of Basil Hayden's two by two rye, and and Basil Hayden is is the bourbon that um, Tony had when he was on, but. Um, that rye was absolutely fantastic, and and it probably to date, and again because I'm not a big rye drinker, the best rye I've had 
to date. So, um, I, I was out walking Onyx tonight. We stopped by the liquor store because I needed a bottle of wine. And I said, let me see what they have for rye. And I am now drinking um, High West Whiskey. And I've had their double, I've, I've had their Prairie um, bourbon. Actually, I've had it with, with, with Daniel White. I, I bought it when he came over once. And the High West Whiskey, double rye with an exclamation point. Um, and that is because uh, the it's it's um the exclamation point is to signify our aim with this whiskey showcase the beauty that is rye and create the spiciest rye whiskey anywhere and yeah it does it 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 is spicier than some of the other ryes that I've I've had recently um it's you, you definitely know you are drinking a whiskey with this um but I, you, you definitely, Jason would not be a fan because because you do, there is a hint of cinnamon here, um, yeah, and uh, but it is, it's it's um, it's I'm I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would, so I'm having it over a really nice uh, nice big cube, and when I'm done with this, I will probably just uh, sip on some straight simple H two O. Nice. Now, it is time. Are we ready? Oh, no. Wait. I have a thank you. Me too. Oh, so does Jason, yes. Yes, Jason, why don't you do your thank you? Because I had to actually write down my thank you. I didn't make a list of all the things that this person sent me. There were so many. Jesus, okay. Yes. Well, I have, I have actually three thank yous. Uh, three shout-outs. Uh, first, Max at Cheap Graphic Novels. Shout-out to him. Um. I took advantage of his fantastic Black Friday slash Cyber Monday sale and bought nearly 60 uh, collected editions, which are going straight into the patrons' hands for care packages. Nice. And Max hit me up and said, hey, three or four of the ones that you put in your order are already gone as I was doing inventory, but... I threw in some extra goodies into your box because I assumed all of this was going to go to patrons and love the show. Nice. So very cool. Very cool of them. Um, Thank you. Number two is to our buddy, Chad Dixon. We have many Facebook groups that are subgroups uh, outside of the main comic podcast group. One of which is uh, an EOC toy collecting group. And in that group, Chad mentioned that he, at his Walmart near him, there were an absolute ton of the Transformers Soundwave cassette packs, which have been impossible for me to find and aren't even available on Amazon unless you want to pay a third-party markup. So he was kind enough to procure for me both packages and uh, kindly mail them to me. So that was awesome. If I may interject real quick. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It boggles my mind that the cassettes that we paid what four ninety nine for two of them, three ninety nine mm-hmm. for two of them back in the day, are now twenty bucks for two. Yeah, it's twenty bucks exactly. It's yeah, crazy. It's forty bucks for the four of them, ten bucks a piece. Yeah, I mean, yep. even taking into account inflation, come on, that's like yeah, and they're they're basically the exact same right cassettes yeah. as when we were kids. They haven't 
changing anything. But either way, I was happy to have him because I just got I got uh, the Soundwave um, a couple months back when it came out. So, um, and then last but certainly not least, least uh, an incredible thank you from Mr. Cameron Hathaway, who sent me uh, a very very thoughtful note, um, and I thank him for that. I've already done so, and a amazing gift which is a mint in box from press pop inc the four figure action figure set of public enemy from um mr ed pisker's hip-hop family tree nice it is awesome they are fantastic i i it's it's just such an amazingly thoughtful gift and and so personal and, and and cam is he's just i mean he's such an amazing dude and he's he's such an ambassador of goodwill in general and uh, reps our show all the time to everywhere and everybody. And, and uh, I I thank him so much for just being a good friend and a listener and a patron. And, and this gift is just above and beyond and I will cherish it forever. Sweet. You taking them out of the box? No, I don't think I'm going to this time Hmm. because the box is part of the presentation. As you know, Ed, Ed puts so much thought into uh, the presentation. I love the way they're, they're in the box with the, the 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 Pisker art on the front, Terminator X, Chuck D, Flavor Flav, and Professor Griff, and the whole thing is just such a beautiful package. I just I think I'll just leave it all as is and keep it mint. Nice. I have um, I ordered a a bookcase, um, and I'm not sure if it's going to go next to the desk or if it's going to go on the other side, underneath um, by the door. But it's I bought it specifically because. The cutouts for it will will hold some some hardcovers and some trades, but I'm definitely going to have one of the cubbies um, for uh, the other statues that I have the the Mr. Monster bust that that Chris gifted me for Christmas one year, the Batman Black and White that Cam sent me. Um, there are a couple of um, we have uh, Kachu in a bathtub, one of the early, um, Terry Moore statues. So, which used to be my wife's room. She doesn't have room for it now. So I guess I, I adopted it, but yeah, so that's, I, cause all of that stuff I just mentioned would not fit or thematically fit with, with, uh, on the Grendel shelf. So I need a place to put the other stuff. And I, I'm really looking forward to this bookcase because I, I, I want to. I, I need this stuff out of boxes and off the floor, and actually, where it needs to go. That'd be a good thing. That would be a good thing. I received a massive box of stuff from Frank Lanza. Awesome, he's a good dude. I, and I don't mean this uh, to use this word derogatorily, but it was a stupid amount of stuff. Uh, so much so that I had to write them down. He sent me a vinyl record, the Transformers original score by Robert J. Walsh and Johnny Douglas, and it's on colored vinyl. I'm mm. assuming that it's the Optimus version because half of the record is red with blue flex and the other half is gray with flex. So I'm, I'm guessing that's Optimus, okay? He sent me the Justice League card game by Panini, Batman versus Joker, the versus card game, Devil Man Volume 1, The Birth, VHS. <laughs> uh, two Transformers DVDs, one Heroes, one's Villains. Um, two copies of Fireside Magazine, Stray Dogs, OGN, 
uh, Planet of the Apes, The Human War graphic novel, Nailbiter Volume 1, a Treehouse of Horror collection, and a huge box, the holiday box, of magic cards. Full. Um, he said they're commons and uncommons, but uh, I went through them, and I think you may have overlooked a few in there, my friend. Mm. But uh, you got Zendikar lands in there. Um, it, it was, he said they were colors that he normally doesn't play, so I am making a promise. I will make at least four decks out of the cards that he sent me and then bend him over come heroes with his own cards. Um, nice. Number 12, he sent me... A Joe Jusco autographed Vampirella card in a screw down. Uh, wow. An autographed Al Simmons card in this. It's from Wizard in the screw down. Um, Ken Kelly stickers, a ton of Spawn Chrome cards. Like there's so much stuff in this box. And and as I'm taking it out, I'm like, wow, it's Christmas early. So I got to thank you, Frank. Like that was totally unnecessary, but I love you and I, and I thank you so much for doing that. That was amazing. Frank is a great dude. Awesome. And he guess really what is. I'm getting for Christmas? A brand what? new a brand new turntable on which to play this Transformers. Oh yeah? oh yeah. Oh, dude, I yeah. The belt I, is fucked on my my old one. I I am I'm I am if not if not for Christmas or Hanukkah, then then some definitely next year it's happening. But 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 a one turntable if not for my room then at least for for downstairs in the living room but i went to i did some shopping and i was i went to bruised apple the 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 used book and and record store in the neighborhood and there was i i always see the records and he's got he's got them separated you know the rock pop and then he's got soundtracks and jazz and and lounge singers shit like that and and i'm going to replace all the monkeys albums that I had at one time, because he's got them. But he's got head. I looked. He does not have a head. Okay. He's got um, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones, which I freehand drew one when I was like twelve, and I drew it, and my aunt snatched it, and I don't know if she still has it framed, but she had it in her law office when when and and. There were a couple albums I did that with, but um, so that was there. And actually, what did I see head? Now I'm thinking about it. He may have had head. I'll right. say, if he's got head, I'll let you know. I, I hope you do. Send it to you. No, I'll but here's what you do: don't wait on these. If you see a vinyl no, you want, no, don't wait right. for the turntable. Yes. No, no, and I absolutely shouldn't. And and but I, I I'm looking at everything, and I turned around and I never. All the times I've been in there looking at books, I never noticed the 99 cent crates he has under the tables. And I'm like, I need to come here early one Saturday and just spend as many. Because it was, it was already like 5.30, 6 o'clock. And I was like, I don't, I don't have time to go through everything. And, and, and I, had, I had other errands to run. So I was just like, let me. I ended up buying, leaving with a couple of books. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many people are planning on buying monkeys albums there but yes i will be i i mean he um there was just a bunch of chicago i mean he's got he he has a for a small little place he's got he's got these 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 crates crammed and and with some pretty decent shit i'm like i not not just you know stuff you'd find because some dude's trying to get rid of it and it it's all decent stuff so i will um 
Yeah. I'll, how, are, how are his prices? You know, not too bad from what I can tell. There, the th- things are like three fifty, six fifty. Shit. Uh, yeah. Couple, couple albums are like over eight bucks, but it's like you know. Oh but still, man, I'm like they look good. Yeah, I, 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 I place. Yeah. So there you go. Well, when you guys come over one day, we'll 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 hit it up. All right. So there, we got that out of the way. And now we gotta got to say all that out of the way. We got to do it. We got to go into the book of the month, and as we said, it's Paul Pope's Heavy Liquid. Now, before we get into it. <laughs> Jason is going to ask the inevitable question. Yes, I am. Do it. What is your history with this book? Did you read it off the as it was coming out? Did you read it at some other point? Is this the first time reading it? I read it as it was being published. Yeah. Okay, off the shelf. Yes, yes. got it. Yeah. How about you, Dat? Um, I read it for the first time this week. Oh, okay, nice. That's excellent. So we're gonna we're gonna have uh, the whole gamut. I I did not read it off the shelf, but a few years ago, after reading a lot of other Pope work, I went to Mocha first and only time I went to Mocha, and there's a huge I forget which vendor, uh, but somebody had a huge Pope section, and I bought a bunch of stuff, including the issues of this, and I read them then. And I don't think I talked about them on the show, so. I don't. I don't, I don't believe you did. No. I think we've. Yes. we've I mean, we've. We we talk of Paul, and you know, I call him Paul because we had dinner with him. But I we 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 talk about him, and we did, of course, have Batman Year One Hundred for for Book of the Month once. But yeah, this is, and it it, it came out in nineteen ninety nine, which late nineteen ninety nine, and at that point, I wasn't back fully in comics. Mm-hmm. This is for the first. Free comic book day because that happened around when when X Men came out. So this is all kind of bef- is before Ultimate Universe and 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 so it's 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 um it was t- those are kind of the timestamps of when I remember really kind of diving back in and and mm-hmm. this this was just on um yeah th- this was I I became aware of it after but I, I had no idea what it was when it was happening. So it was it, it's completely new to me. But yeah, I mean I I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys got to say about it nice nice and and can i just tell you that it, this is good karma we had to postpone our book of the month which is usually the last thursday of the month for today because uh you are very gracious that i was away on vacation and i think the fates have said it was the right move because today waiting for me when i walked in the door from our good friend mr felix Liu. My completed and beautiful Paul Pope Phantom X commission. It is beautiful. It is sitting right on, right next to me, in the media room, staring <laughs> at me, and I feel so good that I'm touching Paul Pope original art made for me by him as we're about to embark on uh, this book. And that brought up the point that we discussed another Paul Pope book as a book of the month. So it makes me wonder. Is he the first creator that we've done multiple books of the month about? Um, no, no, no. Um, we, we did uh, um, uh, more than one Matt Wagner, didn't we? We did. Uh, we, did the, I mean, we no, we did the Demon. 
I don't think we've done anything. And we don't have to. I, we'll, oh, we'll, Grendel Tales about, is always on the list, but it never gets right. Picked. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I know Warren Ellis, we did with Planetary. Did we do it? I, oh, 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 Next Wave. Yes. So we, we've, there we go. we've next talked wave about twice. Warren twice. At least I block twice. out that Next Wave episode because you guys hurt my heart. But... <laughs> 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 Okay. Nice. But getting back to this. Yes. Right. Um, so as Mr. Uh, Plant sang, there are two paths you can go by. But in the long run, only one of them will lead you to the true heavy liquid exper- uh, experience. Because the 2019 trade paperback, which I guess is the remastered. Uh, they, yeah, it was billed as a 20th anniversary remastered edition with with remastered colors and et cetera, et cetera. Right. It is not the peak heavy liquid experience because it is missing what I consider essential, the world building asides that Pope included in the single issues. Um, He would tell you on one page, the mask that the cubist character is wearing. And it was called an, on an Amatro mask, and he goes into a little a paragraph about what the mask is and what it does, and um, the bike that Luna drives around is shown in detail with callouts, the motor, the drivetrain. Um, all of that is missing from the 2019 trade paperback. That's one. Two, the colors, the color art in the 2019 book, I think is far inferior to the original color. Do you guys have any comments on that? Um, I noticed it right off the bat with the balloons in the, in the first scene. I don't because I don't have the trade. So I don't, Oh, there's a texture and a tooth to the original color art. Um, Mm -hmm. The line work seems to be not black. Um, the way it was printed, it seems like the line work was done, or the brushwork was done in 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 a color or approaching a color. Where in the trade, the the 2019 trade, the line work is is black. And I think mm-hmm. the original has a risograph feel to it that may have been intentional on Paul's part. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, but the 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 newly published edition feels more like a mass produced as far as a Paul Pope book could be considered a mass produced thing. I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of artistry involved that separates Paul from the mass produced stuff. Even when he's working on Batman, it doesn't feel like a corporate comic is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's in the original issues. Whereas in the trade, it just feels, it feels flattened. The colors are nowhere near as dynamic as the original, but, that said, if you picked up the trade, not having ever seen the original issues, you'd be like, wow, this is pretty great stuff. And it is. But in light of the originals, when one puts them side by side and compares page right, to page, right. and that's what I've done for you in a couple of instances, I, oh, took, cool. I took a shot of the original and I took a shot of the trade and they will be up in the image gallery on our 11oclockcomics.com website. Go to the thread of this episode, click on it and you'll see this gallery pop up. Whoa. And you can, you can scroll through all the images and you'll see for yourself exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here. But 
uh, I don't want to put a wet blanket over over the proceedings, but I read the original issues. Once I got about 20 pages into the trade, I'm like, nah, I'm going to get my issues, pull them out. Same. I, I reread the issues myself, so yeah. Uh, when the um, when the trade was solicited earlier this year, um, figuring I mean, certain time there are certain things when I see them being offered, um, like the flaming carrot on the bus and Miss Tree. When I see things being offered, I know that that's an opportunity to put something new, different on the book of the month list. So I figure, well. I'm going to have to buy it. I, I, I'm going to have to read it. And I, I got to buy it because if it is nominated and it does win, I'm going to have to read it. So when it was solicited, I figured let me, I, instead of waiting for that, let me see what the issues are going for. And I got them for a steal on eBay. And and um, and they, they came a while ago. And, and it's, it's uh, so they've been sitting here waiting to be read. And whether it one book of the month or not, I was going to read them eventually. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I have the issues. And the, uh, the chosen image for the cover of the collected edition is by far, it's from issue four of the, the miniseries. Yeah. It, it's, it's the by, most famous picture. It is, but it's the worst cover of the batch, I think. Well, I mean, I, what, so from when it goes to the yellow, green to red, how does that look on the cover? Does it is is that is it just the black and white? And no, they they or? flipped it. They flipped the background. Um, so it goes the, the trade paperback goes from red to to yellow, and, and the original issue goes from yellow to red. Yeah. Okay. And does it still have the scram pass? The scram jet pass? On? No. That's oh, what okay. I'm saying. So it's it's the, more the, of a full figure. Okay. Yeah. The the trade dress, and I don't even want to call it that. The the design motif that is pulled across all five issues of the. Uh, the singles was there's a scramjet ticket on the bottom of the the cover and it's got the barcode and it's 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 typical Paul Pope world building where um this is a uh, uh, an artifact from the world contained within the comic in addition to that you get art above the the scramjet ticket uh the the trade paperback cover just eliminates the scramjet ticket entirely Oh. It's just uh, S there with the and it's and that to me that that cover image looks more like Daniel uh, Zelez than it does Paul Pope because the the wonderful uh, yeah. Paul Pope um, frantic brushwork is almost non-existent in that image. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just true. chiaroscuro blacks and whites. Uh, I I really don't like that cover. I, I would and have gone ten covers with, to choose from. Because every every issue has a flip cover, right? Yeah, my I mean my favorite is is issue uh, five, but that wouldn't make sense to put that on the on the cover of a trade paperback. That's I would I would have gone maybe with with issue one, and and the beautiful. As, as I mean, it's 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 not very arresting on its own. It is with the scramjet ticket, but I don't think any of these uh, partial art covers would carry the 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 cover of a trade paperback on their own there are plenty of pages within that would have done that wonderfully but i digress right it is as mike would say it is what it is so we have to play the hand we're dealt and we're just gonna do what it do right 
So let's jump into this this crazy ass world of uh, heavy liquid. High level thoughts. Do, do, do you like love indifferent? Um, do you think it? How do you think it ranks with some of his other work? I have a problem separating any of Pope's work from. I, I firmly believe that they all take place in the same same universe. I don't. Okay. I don't know if it's intentional on his part, but right. um, THB Heavy Liquid, one hundred percent. They ju- the uh, Escapo. They just seem to have this atmosphere that lends me to believe that whether they're in a metropolitan setting or a rural setting or um, mm-hmm. another worldly setting, that this is a cohesive multi story narrative that he's telling at different points on a timeline. So I, I I mean, if you're talking about the narrative, I think heavy liquid starts off really slow and yeah. it kicks into gear maybe by issue, the end of issue three for me. But I think the, the cumulative effect, the payoff is such a powerhouse that it makes me rethink the pacing of the initial couple of issues because I it's the old uh, axiom if you show the gun in chapter one <laughs> it better go off by the the, the last chapter um, I was waiting for initially back in the day I was waiting for Paul to just you know take his pants off and go absolutely crazy with the visuals, mm-hmm. because that's what Paul does. And I think once the heavy liquid effect is shown, it's actually subdued. He didn't He didn't go hog wild. And I wanted that. But that's not what heavy liquid does, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a major psychedelic effect and have just visual image content just all over the page and and wow these we're going to trip with the with s and it just didn't happen but that's that's on me because that's not how heavy liquid functions that's not what it does it doesn't make you trip out and it's not a psychedelic experience it's, it's, it's an experience on a on a whole different level so what i wanted and what it actually does are two different things but that's like i said that was a a uh uh a notion that I had going in that after the first issue that was unfounded. It was my expectation, Mm -hmm. not what he intended it to be. But you put Pope in a metropolitan setting. It's like, good Lord. Oh yeah. This guy can draw cityscapes like nobody's business. Architecture. I love that he loves New York. Well, I can't separate him from New York. Right. You know, there's, there, there are, denizens of that city i can't separate even though andy warhol was born in pennsylvania i can't separate andy from new york it's impossible that's that that was his city so it's interesting that you can't separate them um because i i have a, a bit of a different take in 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 particular with this because um when paul was working on heavy liquid he was simultaneously working on 100%. And that stuns me. Um, 100% ended up coming out later because 
it was originally going to be a work for Kodansha. Right. Called Smoke Navigator. And uh, that turned into, transformed some more and turned into 100%. Um, I, because for me, and, and as I just said, I, 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 I literally received Paul Poop art today. So I, I, it should go without saying I, I love the man and I love the man's art. Uh, and as Dapp alluded, having dinner with him a few New York Comic Cons ago was was an absolute highlight of uh, of our con experience. And we gushed about it at the time and probably will remember it for a long time. Um, I love his work. I very much enjoy Heavy Liquid, enjoyed Heavy Liquid. But I personally speaking think it is a much less um, aspirational and audacious work than a hundred percent. Like, I think it's hard for me not to look at the two of them, especially since he worked on them at the same time and think that 100% was a grand slam. And this was a triple against the wall. Uh, both well worth people's time, both very enjoyable, both happy to have read and to own. But I think 100% is a masterpiece in all ways. I think this is to me uh, a relatively basic linear narrative and and the book it becomes something special for me because of the art because i don't think it's possible for paul to draw anything that i don't think makes it special so i guess i'm coming at it a little bit differently than you well we all have our favorites right yeah 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 i guess what i'm trying to say without sounding negative is i, I heavy liquid is not among my favorite paul pope works but but i but it's still a very very high bar i i, I Heavy Liquid would still be a preferred book for me over many, many other books we've done Book of the Month over. Okay. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. It's certainly better than Next Wave. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Now, see. I'm kidding. Now you just have to get personal. I how is no, that I'm personal? It's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. But I, I think, in, in all honesty, there are very, very, very few visual stylists that are on the level of Paul Pope. And the thing that kills me is that it looks so effortless when he does it. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, the the brushwork is intentionally haphazard. Like there's not a there's no preciousness to the backgrounds. Um, right. He he does have an infatuation with androgyny. Yeah, he does. But that's okay. I like that. I'm mm -hmm. a huge. I mean, Bowie's my man. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and androgyny works for me. Uh, this, he, he has, a a, a preoccupation with inserting himself into his uh, narratives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, S is, S is him. I mean, he's drawing himself. Yes. Right. Yeah. But that's just part of the, of the Pope mythology. I mean, you, you, you take it or, or leave it. That the, There are certain things that uh, Gary Panner does it all the time. I mean, there, there are visual signposts that tell you that you are in this particular artist universe and Paul Pope that when you see him <laughs> yeah. that lends credence to your every work is in the same universe by him but yeah that's not a huge stretch though i mean because they're all coming from the man's mind i mean that 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 creative um generator that he has in there that that is only capable of speaking in one language and that's his 
So it, it, it's not a huge leap to say, oh, this was all created in the same universe. It probably isn't, but to my eyes, it feels like they are because it's coming from one source, right? right. I mean, you could say that um, Mark Bagley stuff is all in the same universe because it's Mark Bagley, but that, you know, that's not true. Do do they feel like it? No, because they're all corporate owned characters, and they're they're obviously different universes. But mm-hmm. this this is an independent, for lack of a better word, it's Vertigo. So it, it's an independent work published by a guy who only works, well, mostly works in that realm. So yeah, it feels like it's all one thing. Um, to me, I don't think Pope, and it's because it's the first thing I. I uh, experienced of his work. I don't think he's ever going to eclipse THB in in my mind, because that's that's the book I picked up when I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Right? Oh sure, my sure. god! And then he went. I, I would put that over this as well, for the record. But yes. Oh yeah, and then he, because it's a multi-format thing. He did standard size comics, and he did magazine size. He did tabloid size. He did um, a series of. Uh, one issue broken into four chunks and they were massive chunks, um, multicolors, like uh, different, different paper. It, it was, it was crazy. It's just, it, it was an artisan way of, of approaching sequential art. Like they don't have to be all the same size and they don't have to fit on the same shelf and they don't fit on the same shelf. The one THB is, is giant and I can only fit it on one of the, the uh, Ikea shelves that's, you know, you know, you can position the shelves any way you want. I have one shelf that fits those giant things. And there there it is. But uh, so when you want to read THB, you got to pull from a lot of different sources because mm-hmm. I'm going to, if I ever see him, I'm going to pinch him so hard because he's been teasing for years and years that, yep, THB collection's ready. It's all, you know, it's coming real soon, maybe next week. And that was like years ago. You know, and like there is a huge fan base for THB that why doesn't he just throw some some raw meat and let us just chow down on it? I'd like to read it. It's great. And and finding the individual issues is going to be very, very hard, which is Mm -hmm. why if he's got them all, let's. And then he did some THB stuff for Kadansha that wasn't, to my knowledge, was never published over here. So. Like we need it, Mr. Pope. But anyway, let's get into into uh, heavy liquid. The main character, aka Mr. Paul Pope, is uh, his name is S, and uh, it stands for the Stooge, at yeah. least in the mouths of the men that are looking for him. The there's clowns. there's a dude called the Cleaner, and his clowns that are are hot on the trail of S. Why? Well, it appears that S had a partner, Luis, who met an untimely end because they were involved with a extremely an extremely rare substance called heavy liquid. That the the renown, or I shouldn't say renown because it's not renown. It's it's spoken about in whispers. Yes, yeah, largely thought to be a, an urban legend. It's a Bigfoot of uh, controlled right. substances where the uh, existence of which was hotly debated uh, among those in the know, the very few that were in the know, 
uh, and Mr. S got his hands on some uh, after Luis was killed. And the clowns want it back. And the clowns are broken up into three. There's one named Crunchy, one named Kip, and another named Drophead. And they are all uh, visually different. My favorite's Kip, who has a, uh, a cubist mask. It's, it's very Picasso. And the, uh, if you look at the extra material in the uh, single issues, it tells you that the mask is an animatro cubist mask. Latex with steel frame shell, horsehair attachments, dual lens optics, wide angle telephoto, ceramic teeth, PVC wet tongue, eight inches, inquire for pricing info, <laughs> Sugarman, New York City. And see that, I, I know I'm harping on this, but that to me, while not crucial information, it just serves to make this world even more vivid. Sure, and it, and it's, yeah. it's not in the trade. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just completely do not understand why they couldn't put this stuff in the in the back of the trade. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, um, see, S had the bright idea to actually cook the heavy liquid, a la heroin. You know, heat it up. See what happens. Because uh, it's caustic in its regular form. It touches you. You get burned. You have to... You, you need uh, rubber gloves to play. They were, they were playing around with it. It's like... Um, Mercury, in a sense, where it, there, there's a metallic content to it, but there's something else there, too. And he's like, well, you know, let, why don't we try heating this up? And he, he didn't really have the, the knowledge on how to do it himself, so he hooked up with this young lady named Luna. And Luna devised a, a recipe where she cooked it up in a double boiler, and the caustic properties of it, uh, for the most part, went away, and it turned into this black inky like substance and s would after trial and error he got some on his hand and he felt wonderful he got some in a cut and the cut healed overnight and he felt great like a million bucks so he started to um drop some in his ear and that's when he became a little bit too dependent on uh heavy liquid, which lost him uh, what we're led to believe was a very, very important part of his life, um, a woman named Rodan Esparella, who was an artist. And uh, there was a little party going on, and they all did the, the, the heavy liquid, and she loved it at first, but then it, she went down a very, very dark path and never took it again, but that didn't stop S. I mean, he he glommed on, onto it uh, immediately, and that created a rift in their relationship. And he obviously has feelings for her. Over the course of the uh, the series, where you know she's the one that got away, and she she's a ghost in his life. She haunts him. He, he thinks about her all the time. Um, and wouldn't you know it? There's a plot mechanism that brings her back into his life. See the. Uh, Xiao Su uh, art gallery hears um, that uh, S has uh, procured a quantity of heavy liquid and through them there is a man called the Collector 
and Mr. Gaylord Schmelz. And I love Schmelz, by the way. Um, just saying. And uh, Mr. Schmelz is an art collector. And he wants to have Miss uh, Rodan make him a creation because he believes she's the best artist in the world. He wants her to make him a creation and they're going to cast it in the uh, heavy liquid because as I said, it is, it's an alloy in a sense. So it's up to Mr. S to find Rodan. Well, how does he find her? He hasn't crossed paths with her in years. She was extremely popular uh, in the art circuit and then she just went away. She ghosted, much like she uh, she ghosts his life. So through trial and error, he remembers this woman named Rita Ackerman, This who, if you read the uh, world-building stuff in the single issues, is 103 years old. And Rita has a little gal pal called Three Loaves who believes she's a pirate. <laughs> and um, Rita's the captain. And through Rita, um, he does managed to get a bead on Rodan, but not after being assaulted, um, not until being assaulted by uh, robots. And these robots are called Calypsos. They're uh, brand robot KB6, weight 77 pounds, height 6 foot 5 inches, lift capacity 100 pounds, see instruction manual. And uh, they retail for $45,651.56 USD a piece. And again, you ain't going to know that by reading the trade. And I'm going to shut up about it now. <laughs> so, and it's a great sequence by, by Mr. Pope. He, uh, these robots are basically spider-like things. And they erupt. As soon as he opens the door, they blah, they erupt from the door. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's just great. It's one of those, those action sequences that... Um, only Mr. Pope can do because it, the brushwork is just crazy. And uh, the colors, the color, well, most of the book is is monochromatic in a sense, not only limited to one color, but each sequence is more or less limited to one color. Like there, there, are, there are sequences where he'll mix a little bit of uh, purplish blue with this salmon-y pink. But for the most part, pages are limited to one or two colors. It's very understated color work by um, Lee Lowridge, right? Do the color separations. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what he did on the trade, but whatever. And uh, so just swarmed with these robots and it's crazy. And the hand-drawn sound effects uh, are, are just wonderful. So he gets a bead on, on uh, Rodan, but not, again, not before he encounters. And I, I thought this was a little... Not excessive, but it was a little bit of a distraction from the narrative, in a sense, where he crosses paths with a girl gang <laughs> called the Fork Tongues. And the Fork Tongues are in the process of initiating the sister of one of their members. And to do so, they're going to uh, get the, uh, the jump on a man who had wronged a Fork Tongue. And it sounds like they're going to abduct him. And sodomize him. And they're going to film it. And throw it up on what they call the internet. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's not the internet. It's like the hub or the 
the you know there's a, there's a name Paul Pope uses for it, but it's it's definitely not internet. But for all intents and purposes, it is, right? And uh, S meets the the fork tongues, and he hooks up with this young girl, and they get handcuffed together. Um, and meanwhile, there's a, a man chasing S from an organization called the UNSTF. And that's uh, that place is where S used to work. He was in the narcotics division. So, again, there may have been some kind of law enforcement in um, S's past. He was he was responsible for s- policing something involving narcotics, which could have opened the door to his knowledge. Will probably open the door to his knowledge of heavy liquid in the first place. And it's it's the old um, what's that movie? Uh, Eric Clapton did the uh, the soundtrack for where the cop goes undercover into this drug world and he ends up being a junkie. Um, it's a '90s movie, but anyway, uh, it's one of those deals where the the uh, the undercover person is is totally captivated by the thing they're they're pretending to be, and instead of pretending to be it, they become it. So he, uh, the the girl gang thing is a temporary, although you know, entertaining. I just think it it pushes the narrative to the back burner for a little while, and it's almost the entire issue, right? Yeah, it just seems like an aside that Paul wanted to put mm-hmm. young ladies into the book, and I, you know, you can't blame him. But I mean, and they're visually exciting, but it just doesn't really plug into the the theme of the book all that well. But whatever. Um, so he finally, finally, uh, gets in the same room with, uh, Rodan after wall crawling between two buildings. And thematically, I think that's a great scene. Um, it's understated, but he has, like Mario, he's not bouncing wall to wall. He's got one foot on one wall and he, he moves his one foot on the other wall. He's, he's in between two worlds. And in, that's borne out by the fin, by the the last scene, right? It's subtle, but Pope is very good at the subtle, and um, so he gets in the same room with Rodan, and he's like, "Look, I know you hate me. You don't want to see me anymore. Can't stand the ground I walk on. But somebody wants to meet you. They're going to offer you a stupid amount of money to do this um, sculpture." And he doesn't tell, tell her the specifics of, of what they're, they're using to cast a sculpture. But he lets that go. And she's like, yeah, you still, you still, you could tell that she still has feelings for him. She's like, yeah, you still doing that, that shit in your ear? And he's like, mm. <laughs> and, and she picked up on it, right? So she, mm-hmm. you know, she gets a little violent and she's like, all right, whatever. She, she thought well, they about played it. each other. Because she didn't change either. She still takes the sugar in, in her coffee. And, and so he's they, they have each other's number. Yeah, I think dosing oneself on a regular basis pales in comparison to, eh. you know, taking sugar yes. in coffee. But, yes, yeah. but I'm just – right. But, but yeah, she's, she's getting under his skin, but he's not he's, – he's still familiar with her. So it's – Oh, sure. It, she, she says she's changed, but, but she obviously has Right, and so she 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 thinks it over and, and and finally agrees to it, and so they're in the room, and the uh, the collector uh, threads in. That's the word Mr. Pope uses threads, 
they got these little machines, uh, little computers uh, that jacks them in to um, the the data stream, and um, S is is called little fucker. <laughs> That's his mm-hmm. his machine's called little fucker, and he jacks into it with an RM microchip implant with Johnson Swivelance, uses OMP, occipital microprojection technology developed at MIT in 2040, USA, to be used with MCCMP, Takaki Corporation, Project's virtual screen in user's line of vision. So it's basically an implant in his eye that creates mental images based on the data flowing into it, right? It wasn't the last time we heard about the trade difference. Sorry, but it's there. <laughs> God damn it. So <laughs> uh, she she stuns him because she agrees to do it. She she agrees to, to make this thing for the collector under one, um, one stipulation she has, that S never darkens her doorway ever again. She never wants to see him again. I'll do this for you, but this guy, I want him gone forever and ever. Just get rid of him. Make him promise that he'll never, ever be in the same vicinity as as myself, and you got a deal. And so S is like, all right, I guess I had it coming, right? Um, But the, the story's not over yet because S takes uh, his payment for successfully um, procuring Ms. Rodan, and the payment was a chunk of heavy liquid. And so he's on a train by himself. He's, you know, with all his friends, obviously, and he um, he's going out on his own, and that's when the, uh, the another ghost from his past, the man from the UNSTF, finally gets a bead on him. And they're in a, they're in a, a bullet train, and he handcuffs him to the the seat after beating the crap out of him. And he's like, "I'm gonna go get some coffee. You, you wait right here. And where else are you gonna go?" Uh, and that's when S doses himself again. But he because the train is is moving and shaking and, and rattling, he he tries to to syringe it into his ear, and he manages and he hits his his uh, his cheek right below his ear and the heavy liquid crawls into his ear as if it was uh, under its own recognizance or alive, let's just say. And that's when something happens. And if you go back and, and scan all of the issues leading up to this, there are many, many instances when Pope will have a ghost image mm-hmm. behind S Mm-hmm. Whether whether it's just an outline or whether it's it's a reflection, like when he when he's in the the bathroom stall, and he's he's doing the heavy liquid, there's a reflection of him doing it up above him on the ceiling, mm-hmm. and I thought it strange. Like originally, like well, I don't get it. Why would I mean visually? Yeah, it's it's an arresting image, but I, what does it mean? And well, now you know what it means because after S doses. It turns out that the heavy liquid is not of this world. It was it arrived on this planet in a meteorite. And it's it's an alloy. There are things within it that are 
uh, terrestrial and there are things that are not. And the uh, the government's been trying to get a, a bead on it for a long time. They've done testing and they still don't know what it does. But dumbass S, who thought it was a recreational drug, managed to commune with it in this final scene. And it is actually an alien intelligence that through the drug has connected with a member uh, a being from another planet the the entity is not physically in the same room but it's like picking up a, a telephone receiver well if you had a phone on your with a telephone receiver it's like it's keying into a phone signal you press the button and you answer it well he got to this plateau where the liquid allowed him to press that button and now he's in communion with this alien entity and it just so happens it gives him superpowers he does things that no normal human being should be capable of doing he he jumps maybe 10 feet to the ceiling of the uh the train and just rips the the door open he he runs on top of a moving bullet train jumps from one train to a train passing it on a adjacent track, which should not be physically possible to do. <laughs> and uh, our uh, our dude radios his superiors and he's like, yeah, um, chief, uh, we got a little bit of problem. The uh, the stooge just jumped from one train to another train. They're like, what? <laughs> Seriously, have you lost your damn mind? It's like, no. Um, he did it, and then what does he say uh, after the, the his superior hangs up? He goes, well, there goes Christmas. Like, his bonus is just right down the toilet now. Um, and S now lives with the ghost of the alien intelligence connected to him. Uh, and I think the last pa- panel is extremely poignant in that the entity is, it's just drawn in, in a, in a, animated though not realistic outline you you could tell that it has a head-like structure and arms and a torso and and legs but it's very free very gestural it's loose and it's it's um one color and so uh, no facial features no features at all just the outline and and as is sitting in the the train uh cabin and there's two seats obviously facing each other and the the alien's on the opposite side, and the alien reaches out, and S reaches out to touch hands with the alien. And behind S, there's another copy, as if that was the 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 copy behind himself leaning against the chair was the S from the, his previous existence, and now he's been elevated to a a, a superstructure form where he can perceive things that no one else on the planet can and he's almost lifting out of his old body it's a really neat panel and i thought it was a great way to end the series i'd like to see more but unfortunately we haven't revisited this world yet all in all i think it's a great story but the payoff obviously is the last last really last two issues mm-hmm. it's a little there are sections where though uh He's a virtuoso with the with the visuals, of course. So that gets you through. 
a lot of these sequences where you, you're like, okay, wow, man, you're, you're wowing me with the line work, but I really don't understand how this plugs into the big picture. But I think the payoff is is more than enough to eclipse those, I don't want to say duller, but less profound moments, I guess. Any comments? Um, I mean, I think you're you're hitting on what I was trying to allude to at the beginning, which is to say, I think that, uh, and he's he's by the way, any for us ever to say he, Pope has admitted this in interviews over his career that, I mean, heavy liquid was early in his career and he views it as an uneven work, um, and I think you're speaking to that. I think it's a, it, it almost seemed like a, not, meandering is not the right word, but. Uh, he he didn't seem like he was giving much thought to pace or the uh like a satisfying outcome at the beginning and then he kind of has this epiphany where he's like oh i, I need to make this into a like a, a full narrative that has a satisfying conclusion because i want people to buy it yeah and 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 but 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 I think the important thing, and you and you hit on it here in your in your synopsis, is that uh, if you're going to have an uneven book, make sure it gets interesting at the end, right? Right. Yeah. And that's what he did better than it starts off with a bang. But it juxtaposed this against almost every Marvel and DC event of our decade together, right? Where the first issue or two, everyone's like, "Oh, this is hype," and then by the end, you're like, "Oh," so. This is different. In the beginning, you're like, oh, okay, I mean, it's... And, and like you said, the visuals are beautiful and the, the characters are intriguing and, and you kind of find yourself waiting, 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 almost like an idling engine. But then, to his credit, he finally gets the engine revved up and you're going. And, and then you're left you're left with the most thought... The, you're, he leaves you with the most thought-provoking, interesting pieces in the book. Right. So... And, and I think that's a, that's a success. I mean, that, that's far more successful than the alternative. Right. But even the more downturn scenes, like when, and I always go back to the sequence with the wild tongues and S is handcuffed to the young girl. Even mm-hmm. then, it, it still gives us some kind of insight into S's character where he takes great pains to save this girl. Uh, he protects her in a sense. Mm. Uh, she hits on him and he has every opportunity to hit back and he doesn't, uh, which speaks to his solitary nature more than his, uh, propensity for Poontang, I guess, <laughs> uh, even though she's young it, and he's, he's almost, I don't, um, not fatherly, but he's brotherly to her. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, kid, you're going to be okay. You know, you, you're going to be, you know, I, I'm not one for, for, uh, send offs, but you know, I'll see you. It was real. And he musters up some kind of not friendship, but at least he's human to her where he doesn't really have to be like the handcuffs are off. He could be like, get the hell out of here. I got something to do, but he makes sure that, you know, she's in a place where she can it's obviously the girl can can um 
fend for herself and she's not going to go down a path that she, he thought she was going to go down like she was going to join the gang she's like yeah you know what i was just doing it just to do it and my sister's in there and i didn't, wasn't really feeling it and in when push comes to shove in the scene she didn't want anybody to die. She's like, there's no, I don't want to kill anybody. She's like, there's one thing to, to talk about it, but it's a completely different thing to actually do it. So the girl has shreds of a conscience. And I think S has displayed more than a shred of conscience. So it, it was a nice scene where two characters, you know, were just interacting and it revealed more about, the main character than it did about the overall narrative, which is good. We need to know who these people are. There, there's not much revealed about S until issue four, really. You know, when it gets into his past with Rodan and um, I'm expecting Godzilla to come in and, you know, why she left him and, and what happened. And there's very tender sequences and we don't get any of that. In the in the first three issues, I'm like, why should I care about this dude? This this Paul Pope Mick Jagger clone, uh, you know, this pretty boy who likes to 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 get off and doesn't really seem to have a function in this world other than you know self gratification, but that's not him at all. I guess the the drug was to. Um, smooth over the bumps from losing Rodan, but the end contradicts that because he's alone by choice at the end. He's alone by choice throughout the majority of the series. There are opportunities for him to, to get busy and he doesn't. He's, uh, he doesn't really, it doesn't seem like he's, he has a whole lot of friends, even Luna. In the beginning, he, he makes sure she's okay, but it's like, you know, he's at ease knowing that, oh, she's probably, you know, miles and miles away On from the beach. Yeah, yeah, by now. So he's, he takes solace in the fact that she's okay, but he doesn't seem like one to text, hey, you doing all right? Like, he's no David. <laughs> I could fart and David would text me, hey, brother, you doing okay? Yeah, right? It seemed kind of loud. Is your stomach okay? Like, he's very concerned about the people around him. Where... Dude, you gotta watch the video I made today. <laughs> okay. Holy shit. <clears throat> That's funny. Yeah, if you, if, you go into, if you go into war, David's the guy you want to go into war with because inevitably, if you're being shot at, he's going to throw himself in front of the bullets. That's just who David yeah. is. But anyway, um, I don't really have anything else to be said other than uh, there's some nice uh, conceptual bits in this um, relating to S's inevitable evolution, um, jumping between two worlds. And uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's not a masterpiece by any sense. Visually, um, yes, it, it's, it's exceptional. But um, narrative-wise... It's very good, but as Paul himself says, there's a little uh, detouring being done. But you can go back to THB. THB is not a very cohesive work. There's a lot of meandering in THB. Sure. Yeah, but that's his license. I mean, he could do it. It's his property. He could do whatever Mm -hmm. he wants with it. This is not designed 
for you to buy the next issue. I mean, yes, obviously a miniseries is, but Pope's work is you read the story, you buy the issues, and you're done. It's not right. issue 276 in, in, a, in, a, in a you know multi-decade long string. He's just telling stories the, the only way he knows how, and it's filtered through his personality. He's yeah, and got, he is he is very much an, an an artist's artist. Yeah, of course. I mean, he is not commercially driven in any way, shape, or form. But isn't it odd though? He attracted the the co- genes. Yes, or, he yeah. he was. I mean, I he was profiled in Spin and Rolling Stone. Sure, uh, yeah. we saw him on billboards. Like the guy is one of the very very few indie artists that managed to jump into the right. mainstream without sacrificing any of his uh artistic sensibility he didn't he did not sell out yeah i mean there were guys and he's one and, and james jean is another oh, I mean, God, few yeah. Were, yeah were they now james jean is different because he is unabashedly commercial he i mean he he has made it very clear he 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 went through a very bad divorce was essentially by his choice homeless wandering the world for a year after the divorce and then came back and is is has focused on splitting his career between fine art. I mean, his, his art now sells for tens of thousands of dollars at galleries and doing corporate uh, work for insane amounts of money. Right. I, I more power to him. You know, I'm a capitalist, but uh, whereas Pope, I think is much more of a free spirit in that he'll take a gig if it piques his curiosity and if he needs to pay some bills, but it's, he doesn't have a, he's, he's one of those guys where, where you have to he's be not very chasing patient. a dollar. Right. Or, but also he's not, he doesn't seem to be driven by a need to continue to put out work for the world to consume. Like compare him with like a, a Josh Bayer or someone who isn't commercial, but Josh and I'm, I'm taking a risk here talking about Josh Bayer with, with Vince in the room. Um, but no, but, but Josh seems to me, and he's not, there's many, many examples, but Josh has first come to mind. He's a, he's a creator who, who puts out his content. Right, like, like what, whatever he feels like doing, he does, and then he puts it out for the world to consume. Right. Um, whereas Pope, I don't think is like that at all. He, in fact, funnily enough, um, I went back and I found an interview he gave in 2010, and at the time, he was work. He said he was working on finishing up Total THB, mm. putting out Psychonaut, and putting out Battling Boy. Now, hmm. Battling Boy came out in 2013, so three years later. Since then, he's been working on Battling Boy 2, so we're now at seven years he's been working on that. And just recently, he just even recently, he, when this, this book, this 20th edition was solicited, he was saying how he was working on Battling Boy 2. Psychonaut never came out, although he still says he's working on it. And Total THB never came out, to Vince's point, and he still says he's working on it. So, right. Got to be patient. <laughs> he's old, he's old school in the sense where he's like, um, back in the day when you had a favorite band and they put out an album every four years, you know, and it was an event. Whereas, yeah, right. uh, it's not like today where you know people are chucking things out every year because they got to stay relevant. Uh, I think Pope will always be relevant just because of the amount uh, or just the integrity behind yeah. behind the work, but. When we were talking about James Jean, Pope and Jean are two of the very few examples I could think of that the 
commerce came to them. Yes. They yes. didn't suddenly, um, you know, put out a book that was a mega seller. It, there, were, there was people in, in, in the know, in the art world, that took a look at their stuff and, right. and they gravitated towards them and elevated them um, financially because, you know, wow, when it, it's like um, that cause – K-A-W-S artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I remember when that guy was making, you know, was doing street art and, and, and vinyls and it was like, okay, whatever. But then something clicked and, and they just, they seep into the zeitgeist and, and they become names, right? Mm -hmm. Ca causes a name now. Giant sculptures, giant balloon sculptures on, in, in, in New York City. Like nobody can do that. There's very, very few, few people that can, few artists that can pull off that kind of attention. Um, Shepard Fairey was one. I don't know if he still is, but uh, the the art world came to them, where whereas most more often than not the path is you pervade the artwork after years and years and years, and you you build a name where Pope and Jean seem to just explode. Right, right. Whereas someone like say a Chip Kid, very much was actively balancing a very commercial role as a powerhouse in advertising um, with with his more creative endeavors. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know what Pope is worth, but I mean, I'm sure he, he has a, a cushion where he could take 10 years to do a work and the guy's financially stable. There, there are, <laughs> it, that's almost non-existent in, in the art world. Who, who could say right, that? Right. Right. No, I mean, that's exactly right. I, I think that, uh, and, and our boy Felix has got Pope, pretty regularly doing commissions now. Well, yeah. I mean, it's nice to add to the bank account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's rock and roll. Pope is, and, that, and that's what they called him uh, when when he first broke, is like, uh, you know, the rock and roll comic artist, the, the bad boy. And, and it's it's in his, his line work. It's in his sensibility. I mean, like I said, S is, is part Mick Jagger, part uh, Paul Pope. It's, he, he's got that, that, you know, three chords and a smile in his blood and it works well right i mean they, they used to call him the comic destroyer and that's his social media yeah, name. yeah. i mean he he totally embraced and co-opted that yeah he crushed it yeah he he broke with convention and he was lucky enough that it worked for him because he had the chops to pull it off um i'm sure there's a billion guys that go in thinking they're going to destroy the art form and they don't even come close <laughs> The the mm -hmm. Pope is lightning in a bottle. I don't think there's going to be um, many more in his mold. He's 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 one uh, unique cat. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, ha! Huh, I get it. <laughs> I didn't try that. Very nice. Um, I I um I absolutely love this. This was um I've I haven't read a ton of Paul's work, and 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 that's you know that that's my big loss but it it's um you know, or your big I, opportunity because you still get your it's still ahead of you right no yeah i'm not i'm i'm not you know i'm 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 sad that i wasn't there when it was coming out but yes there are things now that i'll just be able to enjoy because they're out there um minus thb but there's just um i mean i i was as as vince said it it is it, it does start off kind of slow it's just it's it's but but so did batman year 100 a little bit it was it was a conversation and then things kind of started to, to ramp up a bit but um 
you know, as, as we're getting introduced to characters and, and yes, it's the, 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 um, the Sears catalog aspect of it at the beginning of a couple of the issues and, and, and giving you the, the Elliot R. Brown version of all their weapons and, and accoutrement. It, it's, it's all, it's, it's nice to see because we're all new to this world, but seeing it play out and, and, and conversations characters have, and just the way characters and it, it all felt very, it, it's a very lived in world, which, which helps that it's, it's in New York because you're not, it, it, that's, that's a city that you just feel whenever you're in. And, and it, that added to it for me, but I, I thought all of the characters kind of clicked for me. Yeah. There were little things like, like the girl gang where it's just like that she walks in and then they're talking about, you know, the guy that they're going to snitch and, and, and and with the whole preamp and and you're not sure where it's going, but Hey, the clowns are in the background. So that's where it all kind of comes together. And of course they're after S and I, you get to the end of the fourth issue and that's, that's kind of the, that's the end of the meat of the circus S was hired to find this artist and, and he does. So, okay, so that's done. And, and there's nothing, there's no forward movement for them because that's not what she wants. So there's no, there's no getting back together with her and, and he's got to. And so when the fifth issue starts, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's got to pick up his payment and he does, but then there's still like almost 40 pages to go. And I'm like, oh, let's just see, where this goes and and i was completely i was not expecting what we got and and the fact that we did like as much as i enjoyed it 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 kind of ramped it up a bit for me because um i'm a mark for crap like that but it it's just it i it wasn't predictable to me in any way shape or form and i mm-hmm. absolutely love that about it so yeah this this was i huge thumbs up for me i i if, if if you haven't read it and you were waiting for us to talk about it and 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 we gave away a lot but i you know i i highly recommend this and it's telegraphed from the first scene the last panel's telegraphed from the very first scene and and you don't know it going in you just think oh right yeah here's this mm-hmm. giant cool elephant this giant yeah. elephant balloon a solitary balloon being pulled along and you see the elephant and the people pulling it and they're clowns in the in the in the uh among the people and they're having a good time and then you see a, a, a an arm from another balloon that's behind it trailing it in the distance and then the next page obviously you see the elephant in the foreground and this weirdly shaped otherworldly alien looking balloon behind it and it's creeping up creeping up creeping up on the elephant that the the elephant is s and yeah. the, the the balloon behind it is is uh, symbolic of the uh, the alien that radio wave man. Yeah, yeah. And then it's all interrupted by a tea kettle. Yeah, a siren. Yeah. Arr, pay attention, assholes! I just told you what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. I mean, even even a little conversation he has with the cabbie in the first issue, it's just like you know, it it that goes on for pages, and it's like yeah, he was cool the, though. The, oh, the cabbie was great, but it's one of those things where it's just like he once he gets out of the cab. That's it. Like he never like it's not like the cab. He's the same thing with with mm-hmm. green jeans. You know, right, once right, they right. jump out of the window and they they get the shackles off, and he's like, "No, you're going to be okay." I wish there was something witty I could say. You know, like in in a traditional 
Hollywood type movie, these characters would come back at the in the last. Ah, we were really secret undercover agents. Sure. You know, we got you know, and that that shit just doesn't it doesn't fly here. And it just it, it these are just people you meet along the way. Right, that's and not I how think life that's works. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, people trail in and out of our lives on a daily basis. Um, some we see again, some we don't. That's just how the planet works. And Paul reflects that in in the. Uh, the story and i think it's wonderful mm-hmm. i don't want to see some of these characters again oh no definitely not yeah all in all just amazing work yeah good job patrons yeah nice nice choice yeah i guess now we get to get the choices up for december yeah 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 i i figured we would um discuss how we want to do that yeah. if we want to Dig through the crates, or just do something off the wall, or so we'll we'll, we'll discuss that later. I have an idea. Oh boy! Okay. We'll discuss after. Oh. Okay. Okay then. Yeah, but so maybe we can uh, talk about it now on the air, we can wait. Right. You. You've been away, so you got some catching up to do. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I mean, honestly, it's it's the amount of stuff I have read <laughs> since we last talked is pretty ridiculous, but I think. In the spirit of giving our faithful uh, legion of listeners uh, the things I'm most jazzed about, I'll have to point to two graphic novels that I read while I was away. Um, I'll forever love you both for turning me on to Infinity 8 the way you did. And, uh, of course, that is written by Louis Trondheim and published through Lion Forge, which, well... It was published through the Magnetic Press imprint of Lion Forge, which is now back to being just Magnetic Press, as uh, they have become independent again. But because of how impressive Lewis's work in Infinity 8 was, I pre-ordered Sight Unseen, uh, the other graphic novel that uh, Lion Forge Magnetic put out from him called Stay, which is written by Lewis Trondheim with art by Hubert Chevillard, uh, another French book, another Bond SNA. And it's completely different from Infinity 8 in as much as Infinity 8 is an, a pulpy, campy, sexy sci-fi romp. It's silly, it's fun, doesn't take itself very seriously. Uh, Stay is quite different. Stay is an... Uh, <laughs> It's a story about um, a woman named Fabienne, and she and her significant other, Roland, are arriving at a beach resort for a week-long vacation. And Roland is a planner. Roland is the kind of person that, when they go somewhere, has arranged for every minute of the trip. He is by no means a free spirit. And unfortunately for them both, as they get off, as they get, as they're decompressing and they decide to take a walk on the beach to acclimate themselves. And the freakiest of freak occurrences happens where a giant gust of wind blows a metal sign and the metal sign decapitates Roland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, plan for that. No, you can't plan for that. So, Fabienne is left without her partner in a vacation city 
and the crowds are surrounding her and the situation. And of course, given the crazy nature of the death, it's, it's all over the news. And, um, she essentially goes into shock. She, she finds, uh, not finds, but she has, uh, he has a notebook that he keeps all of his, all of the details of his life in. And, and in this notebook were all of the plans for everything they were going to do while they were on vacation minute well hour by hour and she takes the book with her and she just walks off in the midst of the chaos and she goes about her business and she spends a week in this beach town experiencing it uh and chevy yard is just a master of giving you visually in what is essentially a book about a bunch of normal people uh interacting with one another so visually he doesn't have too many opportunities to wow you with the kind of visual say we would get from what we were talking about with Pope. Um, he manages to make it a, a, an impeccable visual experience just through the framing sequences and his use and his use of, of emotion in that uh, you, you almost feel what you're, you almost feel like you're on her journey where she's in a haze and things are real, but they're not quite real. She's disconnected. Things are a little obtuse they don't quite make sense, but then over the course of the week, they start making more sense. They start being more vibrant. She starts interacting more with her surroundings and the people around her. Um, but the book was just surprising on a lot of levels because even with what I just told you, you might be thinking, oh, I can imagine how this book feels and goes. But it's just weird because the other main character in the book is an older gentleman and I say older, I, I'm guessing they never say, but he's probably in his early 50s, maybe late 50s by, by the by the looks of it. Um, but she's just sitting at a cafe right after the accident, and he is sitting with a friend at the cafe playing chess. And they're having a very loud conversation, and he's saying outlandish things and what have you. And they strike up a conversation and at first you're thinking, okay, is this dude hitting on her or what have you? Is she going to fall for him? And it's just the thing I love about what Trondheim did is none of the – at every point where you're making an assumption about what's happening next, it doesn't happen that way. The 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 interaction she has with this guy, it's not – like he's he's nothing he's – just, he's just not a typical character. He, 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 he's, he's, he's either crazy or he lies in the sense that – He'll he'll say things at different points in of the week where where he's clearly not telling the truth. Like for example, when they first meet, he mentions uh, that his girlfriend's away. Then the next time they interact, he says his wife's dropping him off to meet with her. Then at another point, he alludes to being alone. So it's like you're left wondering: is he like just a habitual liar? Is he is he like crazy? Is he just saying these things? Like what? Why is he? Why is he continuing to paint a different picture of his life? But yet there's no malice in it. Like he's not doing it to to try and get her into bed. He's not doing it to scam her. He's just a weird dude. And the thing is, is that normally I think when you see a depiction of a strange person in, in, a, in a piece of fiction, there's some kind of undertone where you're either supposed to feel empathy or sympathy for the person or something's going to go bad with them or they're going to be malicious in some way. This guy is totally there as a foil for her to deal with this grief 
in the way a great friend would help you deal with it, even though she just met him. Even though he's this weird dude that keeps seemingly telling lies or making up stories or isn't grounded in reality, every interaction he has with her is just purely on the up and up, where he's just taking her to dinner or bringing her to his house to, to make her laugh or uh, or going for a walk with her. It's it's There's no sexual overtones. There's no romance to it. He's just being a good person, helping out a person that he realizes is in need because he recognizes her from the news stories immediately that she's dealing with this. And it's just like it just you keep being just pleasantly surprised as you're reading this book because you think, huh, oh, OK. Just he just finds a way to continuously this cadence of surprising you because you've read so many stories about human interaction. You just think you know what's coming and it never is quite the way you expect it to go. <laughs> and it's just a wonderfully small, intimate book, self-contained, very few characters, relatively linear in its storytelling but it was just delightful in how unique it was. And it's nice to see another side of Tron time um, because I think he does such a wonderful job doing Infinity 8, which is this, again, funny, over-the-top, broad, uh, long-form story. So a huge thumbs up for, for Stay. I, I, I cannot recommend that book enough it, it, it just because it's such a such a great surprise. Uh, and then the other book I wanted to mention, and hopefully you all have copies soon, um, is... Sentient, which is one of the four new books from TKO. Um, and I picked it first to read of the four because of the creative team, which it's written by Jeff Lemire. And it is drawn by Gabriel Walta, which uh, most know as the illustration partner of Tom King on Vision. Um, so great pairing. Uh, the first thing I'll say about the book is it's very comfortable uh, this is a very, unlike Trondheim, who surprised me at every turn uh, and was showing me uh, a genre that I hadn't yet seen from him. Uh, in this case, this is well-worn territory for Jeff. Uh, it's a it's a science fiction book set in space, and um, he has done that multiple times. Right, he has Descender and Descender, which is his multi-year ongoing series uh, series, I guess plural, but they're basically the same series. Um, uh, that he's been doing an image. He's done Trillium, which he yeah. wrote Andrew. What's that? Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, so it's a setting he's quite familiar with. Um, but this is a self-contained graphic novel. Basically, it's a it's a familiar trope. The their, humans have essentially destroyed the Earth, so they have sent out spaceships to colonize other parts of 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 space. Uh, this particular story is about a a a ship full of people that is heading to a particular, particular, uh, uh, vessel. But unfortunately there are, um, a resistance movement. Um, and we don't quite find out why they're resistance, but they're against humans being pop populating other, other places. And as the ship is heading into what is essentially uh, a multi-year dead zone where they they won't be able to communicate with anybody else in any other point immediately upon hitting that dead zone, one of the crew um, uh, shows themselves to be a terrorist and commits an act of terror that leads to killing uh, all of the adults on the ship. So all of the kids who are in stasis are uh, awoken, but they're awoken to a world where all of their parents are dead. And uh, they're little kids. I mean, they're like holding age kids, you know, 10, 11, 12. Um, and they're left to fend for themselves. Uh, but fortunately, because it's the future, 
uh, the ship's AI is quite capable and takes on a matronly role uh, in these kids' lives. And they, they go on that way for multiple years until they encounter another vessel. And that's where things really start to get uh, hijinks ensue, shall they say? Hmm. And it's 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 great because it's 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 all well worn territory. It's it, the tropes in this book are not things you haven't seen in other ways. But as with many things that Jeff does, he's just an expert at uh, at 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 attacking whatever type of trope he's dealing with, right? Whether it be superheroes or horror or slice of life. Um, you could say if you're describing a lot of Jeff's books that you've seen or read something similar to that before, but when you read Jeff's version, it's just always a great version of it. It's this that's this way too. The 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 stories, the lessons he's telling, not some things you, all things you may have seen before if you're familiar with science fiction. Uh, 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 more broadly, if you've read a lot of science fiction, um, and in essence, what this is looking at is what it means to be alive, and and, and what 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 the idea of life and the human condition mean and what the human condition or life uh, beyond the human condition does to persevere against terrible odds. So, um, and I think Walta was really well suited for this because much like with the vision, I think Walta's strength is not in dynamic uh, jaw dropping visuals a la a Poe per se as uh, uh, Matteo Scalera or something like that. I think Walta is great in the intimate moments and this book is all about those intimate moments. And so uh, Tikio continues to impress. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, I think on air to you guys, Zay uh, uh, Chun, the publisher, was kind enough to send me a copy of, of the last of these four. And so I have requested that you guys get on the list, too. So I, I, I presume you would have told me if you've gotten your copies yet. But um, hopefully you'll have the others soon and we can read read a couple of them and talk about them. But uh, but I have to give Sentian a shout out because, you know, Jeff is is probably my favorite writer and. And uh, I, I just am continuously stunned at how he can just put out so many different types of work with such high quality. And this is another in that long line. So, One thing before we move on. Mm. If you want to see Trondheim, just his, his virtuosity in, the, in telling stories, you need to read three things. Mm. Dungeon, that he um, wrote in uh, Johann Svar draws. Um, you need to read Maconi, that was reprinted at Fanographics under the Nimrod. And the best, if you want to see Trondheim writing and drawing, you need to get your hands on La Mouche. It's uh, The Fly. It's a wordless story about a fly, and it's amazing. One volume, done. It is is. Lamouche, like a, just a French book, or is there? Oh, you said there's no word. Yeah, it's wordless. Yeah, so it is a French book, but you can mm-hmm. obviously you can read it. And the and Maconium was the middle. Yeah, one? it's uh, there's some editions that are published under Maconi. There's others that are in Fanographics, the Nimrod. Uh, they're great stuff. Maconi's a rabbit, and uh, Trondheim draws the uh, Maconi stuff too, but. The Dungeon stuff, which is a long-running series. There's Dungeon, there's Dungeon Monsters. He writes it, and Johann Svar draws it. Svar approaches drawing a lot like Trondheim anyway, so it's it's almost indistinguishable from Trondheim drawing it himself in some spots. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very cartoony. Would you just start with... I'd start with Lamouche. Lamouche. 
Yeah. No, no, I mean on the I'm sorry, on the dungeon, like where would you Volume one. <laughs> yeah. Start with But like you said, there's all different ones. There's like right, Dungeon there's... Twilight, Dungeon Monsters, yeah. Dungeon Parade, Dungeon There should be a series that are just called Dungeon. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look. Yep. It doesn't look like it's act- actively that it doesn't look like if there is that that was act that that's actively in print. That might be well, something maybe it, maybe it's, crate, it's maybe heroes or something. Yeah, maybe Twilight. I don't. I know. I I have them. I don't remember how they progress. I think Dungeon Monsters maybe the last one, but mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I've had it, my eye on Trondheim for for years. Um, when I read Lamouche, I just I got completely enamored with him. And Trondheim is part of uh, L'Association. And remember that uh, Comics 2000 volume that's 2,000 pages of pantomime comics? Trondheim's in there. It's the reason mm-hmm. why I bought it in the first place. And because of him, I got introduced to so many different artists in that, that massive volume. But Trondheim's great. I mean, he's he surprised me with, with Infinity 8 because it's unlike anything that I've read of him, his from the past. I love him so awesome. much. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. We got that. Um, I got. Do do do. I um. Got home yesterday from. Well, went to the shop first, then um, met the miniature drinks, and after that, I came home. And I just had to um, read something before I called it a night. And that was yesterday's issue of Young Justice number 11, because these kids are still trying to get back home. And they did at the end of issue 10. And they end up um, in... uh, Port Oswego, Oregon, which is where Naomi is resides, is where she's from. So issue 11, you think, okay, things are finally coming up Millhouse and, and, and they're back home on, on the right earth and the multiverse trip is, is, has concluded and they can get back to the way things, or they could try to, you know, they, they can go find their, their mentors and, and explain what's been going on. And no, uh, Ben just has to go and pull the rug right out because they show up and, uh, there's a star labs, that's here. There's a, um, there's a, uh, a doctor, um, a doctor glory from star labs. And she is talking to Naomi and trying to get a, a sense of, of her power set. Um, and while they're having this conversation, the portal opens up and Ginny Hicks's pickup truck with amethyst and, um, Wonder Girl and Superboy and Teen Lantern and Impulse. And he now goes by Drake, who was Tim Drake, Red Robin or Robin. Um, they all appear. And, and so now that they're back home, 
Um, it, it's weird because Naomi faints, I, I, I guess, because the adrenaline wore off. And um, when she comes to at her, back at home, the entirety of, of Young Justice is like sprawled out in at her home. Um, Superboy's crashed on the couch. Uh, Robin is 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 in an easy chair with 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 um, his laptop and 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 his iPhone and everything off to the side. And um, Ginny wakes up because uh, Naomi's about to go through Ginny's trunk of uh, Granddad's memorabilia and tchotchkes and um so they're all outside chat for a little bit it's it's teen lantern it's jenny x it's naomi um and then the boys wake up and superboy comes out and you know introduces himself and because since nobody really met each other because once they appeared that's when naomi passed out um so naomi mentions that they appeared at star labs and, and there was this woman um named dr glory who was she was talking to and that you know, it, it's it's she um i don't know where she is now and robin says you know well she had she had left and and that's when connor picks up on it because he's like wait that's dr glory she's a tall lady weird accent and, and she's like holy crap i i so Dr. Glory is the doctor lady that trapped him in that trapped Connor in Gemworld in the first place. So now we're starting to get some clues. He flies over to Star Labs. And when um while he's going to take care of that, um the rest of the team is uh is is uh, Robin is trying to get in touch with uh, spoiler. Um letting her know, you know, I'm back home. And um, so the rest of the team is trying to figure out where they're going to go from here. Superboy's going to go deal with this. He shows up and, and Dr. Glory is, is obviously she's sinister. She's up to something. She's, she's not above board. Um, and she's, uh, she's like, listen, this, that up there on the platform, that's a door back to your other life. You can use it anytime you want. Um you know, I get that it was an accident, but if you ended up somewhere you want to go back to, you know, if it brought you, you know, any peace, then, you know, so, so she's persuading him to go up on this platform. He starts to, or he does, and and she pushes a button, and he screams no, it zaps him, and now she's just like, we got to get out of here. We have no idea where Connor ends up until you get to the... um to the last page and and um well the last page that he's on and um if you've seen any of the covers for recent issues especially a mike rel variant you know where he does end up the rest of the uh, young justice show up they confront they finally get there they confront dr glory and while um while they're having a conversation that's when steph is um trying to ping back robin with a text but Dr. Glory is, of course, now manipulating the story, saying, like, listen, um, you know, if if, uh, if if that was your friend, you know, the, the, the kid with the big S on his chest, he, you know, he came in here, um, he threatened my, my, my coworker, he took our tech, he blasted his way back to God knows where, I don't know, um, 
you know, he's it, it's he just that this is some experimental and fragile tech he stole, and and everybody's like, what do you mean? Wait, he left? Like he just went back to Gemworld, and she's like, she's like, yeah, he said, and I quote, none of my friends could take a hint and leave me in peace, and then he just flipped us off and he left, and I don't know who any of you are, and and are are you his friends? Maybe, and she's just completely telling fabricating this story, and and I'm pretty sure Robin knows. He's picking up on things, but it's it's um, it's just it, it the the issue kind of moved along. I, I first of all the, the illustrated by um by John Timms, and it's it's absolutely a uh, a gorgeous looking a book. But it's um and and colors by um Gabe Eltra. But it's it moved at a pretty good clip. It's um. It's, you know, like I said, I, I thought we might be able to catch our breath and, and Bendis can kind of set things up to, to see where we're going from here. But but no, we're just we're we're, we're right back into it. And, and the team that was together um, momentarily has, has been split up again. So it's 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 still just it's a roller coaster of a ride. I, I'm still at Young Justice is absolutely obviously it's one of the first books i read when it comes out but it is it's still a um I, i'm looking forward to it and and i just i i I'm, I'm upset when it's over because i just it's one of those stories where i want to read the next chapter right now i i, I, I hate having to wait but it looks great it reads it, it's you know it's it's i don't want to say it's like the anti-legion it's just he he seems to be having fun with young justice whereas with legion it's, it's still new so we're still we're setting everything up and, and, and he has to get comfortable with these characters that have been around a long time and not that the characters in Young Justice are new, but, um, I think they're a little bit more malleable, at least in this current DC universe, Connor, notwithstanding, but yeah, that's, you asked what I had friends and that's, that's, that, that had me hyped this week. If Jason had posted the thread, that would have been um, the best thing I read this week. Jason missed posting a thread. No, no, no. He's I'll been busy. Uh, no, he's going to do it. It's only Thursday. Tomorrow, it's, we yeah. got time, right? Okay. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. Well, I had planned to surprise y'all by oh. uh, by oh. gushing about some Marvel books. What? Oh. Yeah. There will be no gushing, because oh. I, I read uh, twenty ninety nine Alpha, oh Conan twenty ninety nine Fantastic Four twenty ninety nine Venom Ghost Rider and Punisher twenty ninety nine, and I was always taught if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So I won't be talking about those books. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely yeah. Fun. I didn't even didn't buy them, didn't didn't plan on reading them. So. Okay, you can't go home again. Let's just say that. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but I will gush lovingly uh, if you guys will allow it, because I don't know. I don't know. In order for me to do justice to this, I got to spill the beans. And it is the final volume. And I don't know Ooh. if you've read it. I read Coda Volume 3. Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I am I am way behind, Vince. So by, by the time I get to it. Chances are I will have. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Written by Cy Spurrier. 
illustrated beautifully by Matthias Bergara. Yeah, Bergara is a free beast. Mm. Yeah, it's published by Boom. Uh, volume three contains the finale. It uh, is issues nine to twelve. Yes, it's amazing when all the pieces come together and you never see it coming. How outlandish this plan was, and everything in every issue has been leading up to this extremely convoluted, like I said, outlandish, just unbelievable plan. And I, I was reading it, and I'm thinking, holy crap. It's rare when something can come out of left field, make sense, and complete me ta- completely take me unawares. And that's exactly what happened. I, I've been gushing about Coda since the first issue. Um, yeah. Mr. Hum, the ex-minstrel, wants to, uh, quote, cure his wife, Circa, who's an Urkin, which is um, another way of saying an orc. She She's very prone to bestial rages. So he concocts this plan to steal an elf... Who an elf is a a, um, a magical being that produces acker. Acker is liquid magic, and uh, wouldn't you know it? Ridgetown has uh, an elf in residence, and they use the acker to <clears throat> magically um, infuse their cannonballs. There's a giant cannon in the city, and they they use the acker to 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 pump up their cannonballs in order to defend themselves from this. Uh, roaming city called Thundervale, the city that's pulled by a giant. That was in in the first three issues. In the the uh, the second uh, first four issues. In the second four, um, Mister Hum and Circa part ways because she didn't really ask him to cure, or he didn't ask her if she needed curing. So he basically said, "I don't really like you the way you are." Um, I want to fix you. And she wasn't really broken. So she heads out at the end of the second four into this um, this state of being called the Everstorm, where she basically hulks out and just, rah, she destroys shit. And she, she, she grows, like, she, she basically, she, she, she hulks out, in a sense. But she's an orc, right? Um, so Hum is on his own, traveling around with the, the elf head, and he goes back to the Mercrone, uh, who provided him the uh, impetus to secure the elf head in the first place. And it was all a plan by the Mercrone to get her hands on the elf head. She was the one that gave him the metal to bring to Ridgetown for their their cannonballs turns out the 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 metal was tainted and when the giant when ridgetown came into proximity again the ridgetown uh thundervale not ridgetown when when thundervale came into proximity of ridgetown again they had no means to destroy it because the the cannon went kablooey so the giant takes the elf head brings it back to the mercrone and um the whole thing was under the auspices that the Macron wanted to get her children back to the sea. 
She had hundreds of, of eggs and, and, and newly hatched children sequestered away, and she was building this tunnel to the sea, but it was taking a long time. So she wanted to get the giant to punch his way through the mountain to get to the, to the sea because a giant punch is far stronger than explosives, even magically infused explosives ever could be. So the giant goes to punch through the mountain, and she had it rigged. She sacrificed her children to destroy the giant to get her hands on the elf head. And she gave Mr. Hum tainted, a tainted elixir to cure his wife, thinking that she would take it, and she didn't, thankfully. But she tried to poison Circa because she hates Circa, because Circa was the only one that could defend the place against Thundervale. It's it's like I'm saying it's this extremely convoluted resolution that when you look back at all the issues it's like oh my god like he was planting seeds in every friggin' issue for this thing and it's all just masterfully done. Um, Mr. Hum comes uh, uh, when when the Mercrone transforms she turns into a hottie toddy. I mean she was a giant bloated fish woman in a bathtub basically for most of the series but when she towards the end when she gets infused with magic she turns into this shining sparkly pale hottie <laughs> you gotta see it it's like a, a quantum shift but I, is, I remember the dragon the corp not the corpse but the the um, rotting dragon that was immortal so he could never die so he was just laying across the landscape his muscles had fallen from the bones he couldn't move and yet he was pleading with Mr. Uh, hum to scratch his arse and that's where Mr. Hum found the magical artifacts to take to Ridgetown way 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 back in the first issue well in he Hum is like on his own he's got nothing to do so he's he's in the dragon and the dragon's like please for the just scratch my arse. And Hum goes, eh, whatever. And he scratches the dragon's arse. Later on, the dragon comes to Mr. Hum's aid. This is the thing that was a throwaway from the first issue. And it comes back in, in the last issue to basically help save the day. It was masterfully done. And um, I'm always on the lookout for a good fantasy series. This was like one of the best I've read in, in a long long time. And if you remember, I do believe I gave a tip of the hat to Coda in past 11 O'Clockers. Check your list, Jason. I want to say that's right. I, I know what... I, I believe that is correct. Well, I, I don't have a list handy, but I believe that's right. After this um, third trade, chances are very, very, very good that Coda will pop up on my 11 O'Clockers for, uh, for this year. Um, the Pentacorn goes through a transformation itself <laughs> it's amazing i won't i won't reveal that but suffice to say that i think this was um delightfully done on all levels from story to art to presentation it's it's a major winner for me uh coda from boom it's uh written by Cy spurrier with art by matthias bergara get it because it's it's impeccable that's awesome. Yeah, you nice and speak speaking. Of, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say David won't remember any of that by the time he gets to the end. Right. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully, that's true. Uh, I was just saying. Speaking of the O'Closkers, remember everybody, the ballot is up and ready for your input. 
the easiest way to find it is, well, there's multiple easy ways. You could go to 11oclockcomics.com where our Boo Dap has a, a, a tab for you to find the ballot through that, through our main website. Or if you uh, want to go directly, you can go to rebrandly, which is rebrand, R-E-B-R-A-N-D, dot L-Y slash O Kloskers, no apostrophe. That will also bring you to the ballot. It's a Google Doc, so uh, you can answer however you want to answer. And as long as you use the same email address when you go back to the link, it will remember all of your answers and you can change them or add to them or what have you. But uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's a good idea to fill in when you can and not try and do it all at once because it's going to oh, feel yeah. overwhelming at that point. Well, there you go. We hope you have enjoyed this book of the month. Jump up and down because you're going to get another one this month. Thanks, That's to, right. thanks to Mr. Wood. And uh, just to reiterate, for those who check it out at the end, I don't know why they would, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Paul Pope, Heavy Liquid. Next time, you will vote, if you're a patron, on the book of the month. And you can participate in that by going over to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And uh, take a look-see around if you like uh, the surroundings. By all means, we'd love to have you join. Do not forget the specials from Discount Comic Book Service. From IDW, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Genica, number one, $1.99. No, sorry, $2.49. Archie meets the B-52s. And I don't know why they don't have... Oh, they do have the B-52s on the cover. Yes. But it's just Archie meets B-52s. Oh, that's uh, weird. In the solicit. Uh, number one, Dan Parent, the monster. Local dude, by the way. Um, yes. I, I always say that. Dollar 99. And we got Raphael Square, Raphael Scavone, and Raphael Albuquerque on The Hidden Society, number one, from Dark Horse. It's $1.99. Also, this weekend, I got caught up on another comic that is sure to worm its way into my 11 o'clockers this year. I read issues five to nine of Criminal. Oh, I'm up to nine too. Up to man, I tell you what, uh, I would love to have one of our uh, uh, um, one of our let's say uh, studious listeners pull all of the clips of you this year saying things are going to make your way onto the eleven o'clock college, uh, eleven o'clock <laughs> ballot because I don't think we have enough categories, my friend. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you just uh, bring up your spreadsheet, I can almost assure you that Criminal has popped up before. Oh, I'm not saying either Coda or Criminal aren't going to make it on there. I'm just saying that you probably said a hundred things were going to make it on yes. there right, for the course of the year. Just, Which is good because it, it speaks to how much you love the things you read. Yes. That's true. And I just made a note entitled F.U. Jason where <laughs> – <laughs> I, I said, make sure that criminal and coda pop up on your eleven o'clock. Why don't you just make it a recurring, like just set it as an alert and just have it recur every week? Sounds good to me. Okay. So I read issues five to nine of Criminal. Jason, you caught up? Um, no, I think I've read through seven. All right. Well, uh, there's nothing to spoil. It's the. Uh, it's called Cruel Summer. It's the. Oh, uh, nice Cruel Summer. The final story of Mr. Teague Lawless, if we're uh, led to believe Mr. Brubaker. And um, it's basically Jane convincing Teague that, uh, you know what, we should stop doing all these little petty 
crimes and go for a real big one, set ourselves up for a long time, and then we can go, we can go travel, we can have fun, and and, and just exhaust the money, and then we'll do another big score in a year or two. And so it, it's this um, Teague being completely enraptured by Jane, who we have yet to uh, peek into that bag to see the cat, so to speak. The, the, <laughs> the jury's still out on Jane. Um, but uh, Teague is completely bamboozled by Jane. And who wouldn't be, really? Um, and they're they're putting together the pieces of this, this big, big, big job. And Teague brings in um, Leo's dad. And um, they're all, you know, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. But in the meantime, there's something up with Ricky. Because... Uh, Ricky's a little bit confused as to why his dad is is acting and talking differently, and um, he uh, he seems to have undergone a, a transformation in juvie, um, where where uh, it's it's very heavily implied that Ricky was uh, molested in yeah. in juvie, and so he's out on the streets and he sees the guy that molested him, and it 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 puts him in a in a bad way. Um, but uh, Jane comes to the rescue, and I won't say how, because maybe uh, Jason hasn't read it yet. But uh, Jane comes to the rescue and I guess wins over Ricky's uh, trust. But it's all coming to a um, a boil. And uh, Brubaker says this one's going to be um, 10 to 12 issues long. It's going to be the longest criminal story to date. Yeah. Um, there's a... A subplot with Leo and Ricky. Ricky uh, Leo's not taking too kindly to Ricky these days. And um, we kind of find out why in issues uh, eight and nine. Um, I just think it, it it's it's the best ongoing on the stands. Bar none. There, there's, there's, you, could, you could fling a, a, a thousand books at me and chances are very good that I would say, doesn't compare to Criminal. Because That's interesting. Criminal's that good. Interesting. Total is very good. It is. Um, not only is the writing all shorn up by Brubaker, who is one of the best of the best, but um, Sean Phillips, uh, he he's un he's unearthly. How he can uh, just even the most mundane uh, sequences they just sparkle because he has such a command of of uh, figure drawing and and mm-hmm. composition. He's just outstanding. Yeah, it's I I it's it is the book that I pull out of my box first every month when I'm up on top of things. When right. I you know, cuz I've been reading the uh the graphic novels first in order I can have something self-contained to bring to the show, but when I do read the singles, Criminals the one of the first ones I pick out of the box. Yeah, number 10's downstairs on the um on the coffee table, waiting to uh, waiting to be read. I, I know because I get them from the shop, and you get them in your box. I try not to read it too far ahead, so it'll be in your box that you'll get in a couple of days. So I'll I'll have it read probably this weekend. So this way, when you do talk on it, we can um, yep. I'll at least be in the know. But and just yeah. like Too Old to Die Young, I think Criminals better in chunks. If if you read it single issue, I mean, if you read it as they come out, chances are, depending on how many comics you read a month, you're going to 
unremember something you've read. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the magic really bum bubbles to the surface when you read maybe two, three issues at a clip. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Plus the back matter. I don't even yeah. care about half of those things that they talk about in the back matter, but uh, the 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 prose is so well done, and uh, you get even more illustrations by Sean Phillips. Like it's it's just a complete win. It's it's worth three ninety nine. I can't say that about many other books. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Hashtag facts. Criminal. Read it. Criminal. I don't think it's a very hard sell. If you're a comics fan, chances are good that you read Criminal. If if you don't, then Holy cow. Get 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 on the horse. You've been missing out. For real though. Yeah. Um I I I I finished one series. Well, I finished the first book of a series and apparently um I I guess the next volume or book 2 or season 2 or whatever the hell you want to call it will um will be happening soonish but um i wanted to um i so i picked up olympia number one and i'm like oh it's kurt pyers i'm like that sounds hella familiar to me and and we follow each other on twitter as well and that's because kurt pyers is the writer of weird from dark horse and um i remember i realized i i read two and three after reading the first issue, obviously. And I, I'm like, I don't think I, I must've missed the fourth issue. So I got the fourth issue and, um, and the fourth issue of weird, um, has our character, Peter weird going up against, um, a familiar site. It's, it's a very young child, um, who, for all intents and purposes, will just say he's baby Superman. It, it's he's he's a, he's a boy who doesn't seem to be of this planet, and um, got a little cape, kind of like a towel around his neck, and he's got heat vision, and and so um, weird is contracted by his handler to go after this kid, but it turns out that, um, and this is the job where, you know, if once weird finishes this job, this is it. He'll, he'll be erased. He can go live his life. What's left of it or what he considers the life. And I won't ask you for anything ever again. And there's a reason why that happens, why he, he says that, um, because we get a flashback as to, um, how this all, how this particular, situation um comes to pass and plays out so i finished weird i was like okay i thought it'd be done but like i said it's it's just there's more to come eventually so we'll see and and that ends with the um in the future like 2049 or something like that so um things will have moved on i guess in the next volume so olympia from image um is by kurt and Tony Pyers, and um, you have, I thought I had everything written down, but apparently I don't. Um, uh, 
Alex Diotto and D. Cunefi and Michael Myers on um on letters, but it is this is a story that's very it's it it's another story that, that kind of feels similar, but I'm curious to see how Pyres tells it. Uh, Olympia is um is a uh He's, we'll say a god on Olympus. Uh, he, um, but we find out that this is just a comic book story. And there's a kid who is, is reading the story. Um, whereas uh, Olympia and Valaine are going to battle, they're going to face off. And, and Olympia says, the only way this ends is in blood and thunder. And it's the end of the issue to be continued. And the kid off panel says holy shit and we find out it's this kid um who is just chilling reading his comic books but then what looks like a comet is and he's in the woods leaning up against a tree reading and a comet comes crashing down not too far from him so he goes over and after all the smoke clears olympia is sprawled out on the ground um so uh, this is a story that, um, I guess Tony and Kurt have, um, have, um, it, it's, it's a, um, it's weird. I was, I was trying to see if there was, um, if there was some back matter. I, I don't know if I saw it in, on, on, on Twitter, but basically I think, um, there's a photo right at the start of this. It says Tony forever. And, and I believe it's Kurt. Um, so basically it, it looks like it's Kurt and, and T- Tony being his dad, they had cooked this up and, and um, Tony passed away. So this is kind of a love letter. And, and it's the art is, um, I kind of, I kind of dig the art. There's, it, it's, it's not quite, it's not quite Kirby. There, it's it's um, it's not the cleanest art. It, it it's fitting to the story as as far as the the larger than life characters and these kids in school, um, and uh, but yeah, I think I I I I, I kind of dig Diado's um sense of style. It is a um, it's a present day book. It's not like it's a story about when some kid grew up and or when he was younger. He, he met a comic book hero. This was just that, that this is happening today. Um, and, you know, there's they're school bullies and it's the poor kid isn't. Uh, he, he, he's kind of the little owner. Elon doesn't uh, doesn't seem to have many friends. Uh, it's easy to pick on him. But Olympia's still chilling. He's kind of like sleeping it off in the woods. So then so later that day. Elon um, goes to check on him and and um, having a conversation to with this unconscious body and uh, ends up nodding off and then when he comes to Olympia seems to be up and um, Elon had given him some Vicodin that he took from mom's medicine cabinet Elon's a latchkey kid he has to make sure he just gets home before mom every day um, 
but the Vicodin kind of kicked in and Olympia feels right as rain and, and he'll, um, they'll be, um, singing songs to Vicodin when he returns to Olympus because it's, it's uh, how great it is. But, uh, the, the issue ends somewhat maybe predictably, but, um, we'll kind of see, uh, where things go. Um, there's a tribute to Jack Kirby. Uh, but yeah, yeah. As, as, um, Kurt says, this is a, uh, this is a very, this is the most personal and important story I've ever told. So it, it is very much a departure from weird. Uh, I, I'll, I'll stick with it for now. I, I kind of, um, you know, Elon goes back to the comic shop to, cause he wants to find out what happens in the story with Olympia. Um, because I'm not sure I've, I've really, at this point, it's still early to find out if, if, if this is all just, if Elon's dreaming all this, I don't think he is. Or if this is, you know, if, if this godlike being crashed on earth and, and nobody else knew about it. Um, you know, it, it, parts of it reminded me of 1985, the, the, um, the JMS and, and Tommy Lee Edwards, no Mark Miller and, and Tommy Lee Edwards miniseries from back in the day. And, um, but yeah, I, uh, I gave it a shot. Glad I did. Uh, I'll see what the next couple of issues have in store. But uh, Olympia by Pyres and Diotto and uh, Image Comics. Okay. Um, Tommy P. I feel like I just saw his name somewhere else. Weird. I'm trying to think now. Hmm. It'll come to me. Um, Vince, a few books that uh, I need to give you some props for. Good, because I read them whilst I was uh, away, but you <laughs> all spoke on them in my absences. Uh, Maria M. Shocker, I know, but I I loved it. You're all grown up. I think I'm all grown up. I really did enjoy it. So, um, why did you? So enjoy who it? knows? It was um, it was fun. It was titillating. I mean. Mm. Um, easily know. accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. So thumbs up on the Maria M. Um. Thumbs up on the Transformers Galaxies because I had gotten off of the new Transformers book pretty quickly, and so as a result of that, Galaxies wasn't even on my radar. Uh. But uh. But you was right. I actually read issue three this week, so I, I'm. I'm caught up, and uh, you had me at uh, Origin of the Constructicons. So I know what you love. I know that. So props to you there. And then, because you can't bat a thousand, I read Mega Hex. Stop. First volume. Pull the plug. You're done. Stop. <laughs> no, and, no. But you said it though. You said I wasn't going to like it. And I right. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a book about a, a, a slacker being a slacker. I, I, that, it, it, that, is yeah. a, that is a hard sell for me. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I won't put that in the show notes then. I, I, in fact, I'll pretend you didn't even say it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair, <laughs> um, fair, fair enough. Uh, in your travels, um, I want you all to avail yourselves over. If you have any break in the holiday to, uh, keep reading comics, but also by, by God, um, we are in a halcyon time right now with, uh, with televised comic related content. Uh, or I don't know if comic related, but geeky related content. Um, 
uh, all joking about Baby Yoda aside, The Mandalorian's been fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, so if you have access to Disney Plus or are on the fence about getting Disney Plus, you should do so just to watch The Mandalorian, if nothing else. Uh, although there's lots of other reasons to watch it. Um, but um, but also, and, and something I think deserves a lot of attention when it wraps up, uh, The I mean, Watchmen has been, I mean... It has been an exceptional experience so far. Uh, it, it is an incredible show. So, and, and I think it's gotten stronger with each episode, which is hard to do. So, check check those out. And um, if you're not a patron, this month might be a fun month to do it because, in addition to all the litany of things that we we do on the regular for the patrons, uh, I'm doing a little uh, video advent calendar. For you uh, non-Gentiles out there, because my coworkers today didn't know what an advent calendar was, I had to explain it. Oh, my God. An advent calendar is basically uh, a thing in December that uh, the Christian kids get, uh, and most of the time it's uh, chocolate. You you open up each day, like December 1st, you open up a little paper window on the advent calendar, it's a piece of chocolate in there, and uh, another popular thing, there's Lego advent calendars that my kids get, but... uh, yeah, it's just a, basically a reason to uh, celebrate each day of the Christmas month. Uh, usually Christmas Day, the 25th, is the biggest thing, whether it be the biggest toy or the biggest piece of chocolate. And I am doing, as a thank you to our awesome patrons, a video advent calendar this month. One video per day for 31 days. And yesterday's video was, um, in part, an unboxing of the aforementioned cassette Transformers. But... I then finished it off with my choices for my top five Transformers. And I couldn't go this episode and exit without at least giving our fearless leader and, uh, and, and adorer of Transformers a chance to speak on his favorite Transformers. And by all means, Dap, you can chime in too, although I know you're not much of a Transformers guy. But, but I know Vince has to have a, 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 a top Transformers name or two. I do. Do you want to hear him now? Of course. Hmm. It was met with a little bit of scorn, but Scorponok, Generation 1 Scorponok is my favorite Transformer. Nice, okay. Trailed by Jetfire. On my list. Who doesn't love Jetfire? On my list. Um, Optimus. Okay. Mm. Trypticon. Nice. Wow. It's so hard. Well, that's um, four. I don't know. I'd either have to go with Megatron or Cyclonus. Okay. Soundwave. You know, you got to love Soundwave. Yeah, that's you, my number one. You got to love Shockwave. That's on my on my list as well. Jetfire, yeah. Soundwave, Shockwave, and then, uh, and then Devastator and Predaking. Because I love the combiners. Me too. I, Predaking's my favorite combiner. Yeah. But I'm a purist. When you say favorite transformer, I usually go for the the single bots first. And then, I got it. Yeah. yeah. The the original G1 Predaking was incredible because it was so much bigger than the other combiners. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the combiners are basically the body is an alpha, like a, a, a regular size transformer, as you know, and then the other four limbs are smaller. At, but with Predaking, the, or at least the original version, I don't know about subsequent versions, but 
the original, each of the, each of the pieces were full size transformers. Yeah. I think the one they did recently, what was it for siege or, um, Hasbro did a, a recast of the original Predaking. So it's basically okay. the same thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how did I not know that the Dinobots were combiners? <laughs> I have no idea. You all right? I have no I'm, idea how you would know I, that. I am beside myself with excitement over that. <laughs> Volcanicus? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> that is incredible. I, I, I need some Volcanicus in my life. I do like Grimlock a lot, too. Definitely awesome. Yeah. The other ones, eh, I could take them or leave them. Mm-hmm. I, in, in, a, in a sense that, yes, they're cool. They're dinosaur transformers. Yeah. But some of them, the transformation was a little on the wonky side. Swoop. I really don't. I know this may be blasphemy for especially a younger part of our listenership. But I Transformers effectively lost me forever as a... Uh, cartoon fan uh with beast wars mm. i i i don't yeah, I, I don't under, like, I, I get it i can understand why you say that but that series is beloved by a lot of people i know that's why i say it's probably as is like the the x-men cartoon right the, the, for a whole generation of fans that's that's the holy grail i just for me i i don't i don't like seeing the robots turn into creatures because i don't know how they really i think they transform weirdly but uh Dap, did you have any thoughts on favorite Transformers? I don't want to. I don't want to give you short shrift. Oh no, no, it's um, yeah, no, nothing. I have not. I didn't, I've read very little Transformers comics. I mean, I back in the day when they were still diecast metal and shit, I was I was all about them. But I, yeah, I Soundwave was pretty much my dude because of damn cassettes. But other than that, I mean, I I had. Optimus Prime, I like Megatron because he turned into a gun, but you know, there wasn't. I wouldn't be able to give you a top five right now. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's all good. Least favorite Transformer? Because of the cartoon Star Screen. Oh, I mean, f- for me, it was, I mean, it was uh, the Beast Wars stuff. I, I Once I saw that, I thought, oh, this is corny. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. Of, I wasn't a fan of the head, Headmasters either. What? Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I guess I guess I'm a traditionalist. I mean, for me, the G1 was where it was at, and then I, I just kind of started losing interest as they started doing more bells and whistles. Hmm. G1 Bumblebee. Bumblebee oh, really hated it. Huh. Hated it. Yep. Wow. And then Cliff Jumper just added insult to injury. Like what? Yeah, I he was small. He was a bug. I mean, I just didn't like Bumblebee. Hmm. Still don't. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I don't like the fact that he's what a Camaro from the car from the movies. I, but yeah, I um, just a design. Like, why does he have horns? He's not yeah. evil. Yeah. It's just it's just I would strange. Say of the Transformers that I owned as a kid, the one that I that I thought was the wackest was Perceptor. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not really fun to play with a, a, ma- a microscope. A microscope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the transformation on Bumblebee was minimal. It just wasn't any fun. 
Um, you uh-huh. know, you had optimists that, that needed some work and the seekers had their special thing, but Bumblebee was just like, oh, he's done. This is no fun. I also run now that I'm thinking about it. I, I, a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Makio Watanabe. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen or spoken to him in 30 years, but he was one of my best friends when I was young. And he was, uh, he was, his mom was Danish and his dad was Japanese. And so he had the coolest freaking toys because he would get all the Legos when they would go there and he would get all the Transformers when he would go to Japan. And, for my birthday one year, he gave me, um, at the time, I believe it was called Refractor, but later called Reflector yeah. from Japan before it came in the U.S. Nice. And so I thought it was super cool to have a Transformer that wasn't available in the U.S., but admittedly, it was pretty whack. Because, again, like, the the reason it's it, it was cool in the sense that it was three different robots that were so effectively it was a combiner, but it combined into a fucking camera. Like, yeah. Right? It's kind of cool. Eh. Yeah. But, and shout out to Blaster, because as much as, I feel like Soundwave gets all the love, and Blaster gets none of the love. For real. I mean, Blaster had cassettes, too. Yeah. There is, um, there's one, no lie, it's in the box in the closet, because I don't have room for it on the desk. It's in the box. I still have, um, my uh, G1 Snarl with his sword. Good. Yeah. Snarl's one it's got of the... some battle damage, but yeah. So I still what? Have that. Snarl's oh, one, yeah, of the, no. one of the better ones. They they ruined the Dinobots on G2. Don't like the G2 Dinobots very much. If you if you're uh, gonna if you're gonna invest in Dinobots, G1's the way to go. Yeah. Or Masterpiece. The Masterpiece Grimlock is like, <laughs> put a tarp down because I'm gonna just. Yeah. All right, people. This is it. It's done. Thank you for joining us on this uh, Book of the Month episode. We'll be back very soon with another go around. In the meantime, go to the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. We're there. All of us. And uh, in the meantime, don't forget, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, Patreon.com, forward slash 11 o'clock comics, and say goodnight. (laughs) <laughs> Vinny Beats is clapping because we're yeah Vinny Beats <laughs> Vinny Beats he's still up can I turn it no you can't turn up now he's all in, <laughs> he's all in a tizzy because triple extaxion or whatever the hell this guy's name is this fucking kid with the like in this guy I know he, he dropped a new album today and I said Vin wait, he's, wait he's dead that's what I said and I said you realize that you're in the arena of diminishing returns because the guy may have had a stockpile of, of songs that weren't good enough to release in the first place, but now you're getting them because he's dead. So now you're going to be getting increasingly bad albums until they have no more. You can't tell me this is bad. Oh, my God. He's playing this shit. Emphasis on shit. David. You could... You oh, could, wow. Yeah, you could amend no, it. Keep... Keep having your conversation in because it's over a minute. I know. Just why do you time it? I'm you, just saying. Oh, like, got a timer now. I'm so, just saying. It, so how if about you this? Want to make sure it's it's accurate. I'm all just right, saying. All right. How about so this? You guys might as well have a conversation. My boss went to a career fair today, 
and um, my wife had a, a booth at the career fair. Um, and they know each other. They graduated together. And uh, he's having a Christmas party. And she said to him, what do you want me to bring? He said, nothing. She said, no, really. Make it easy on me. What do you want me to bring? And he said, why don't you bring a pound of 20s? <laughs> and she said, well, how much is a pound of 20s? And he said, I don't know. So this is my boss. He came back to the shop today and weighed a stack of 20s and then did the the multiplier. So um, a pound of 20s is 8,600 and whatever, say $40. But he actually, wow. he actually weighed money to see what a pound of, how much, David. What it, yes, how much a pound of 20s would it, would, uh, total. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's my boss. He's a great guy. But anyway, you're all great people too, because you've endured this with us. Come back next time. We love you so much. Say bye, people. Lady y'alls. We've lost Jason. I'm right here. I thought talking about money would, you know, get right? you at least semi. Well, yeah, I am not, not in the money. I'm not in the money. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm not in the tech either. Yeah.